0: You want to start this bad boy? What do you want to talk about?
1: I don't know. First one. Don't really know how to do this. Currently still trying to figure out what kind of itinerary I want. I mean, I don't really want an itinerary for it. Just kind of a direction that'll push mm-hmm. so I can, can keep the conversation <laughs> yeah. going. You don't run yeah, out of it. stuff. I mean, I would assume most people that I mean that I don't know unless that I'm great at conversation having, which... I wouldn't say I'm great, but I, I, I'm not terrible. Well, we're working on it. Right. Yeah. We're working on it. Working on it. But most people would be like, yeah, you could get the general story of them. That'd be it. Yeah. But like us, I, we have pretty good conversations because we yeah. kind of think alike. We listen to the same stuff. And it's like, okay, well, what alien did Joe Rogan talk about today? Yeah. It's like
0: hmm. We want to give the people a. Intro of yourself. You're the host. Uh, I'm gonna first, do that. This is the first one.
1: I know, but I'm gonna actually make an intro and then I. Oh, then you're gonna splice it Yeah, I'll. Then. Yeah. I don't know if I'll do it for each episode. I might like do a little minute and a half general overview of what the episode's gonna do.
0: Oh yeah, kind of like kind of like Theo Vaughn. Theo yeah. Vaughn does that.
1: Yeah, there's quite there's yeah there's quite a few people that do that. They do whatever. They get their advertisements out of the way. Yeah, and they, then.
0: They do ads, and then they're like, well, yeah. we're having Neil deGrasse Tyson on. Like, yeah. He's a space engineer. Yeah.
1: But I want – I'll do that in my own time. Yeah, okay. And then I'll just edit it in. But, no, I'll get an intro out. I'm going to do three to five podcasts probably before I release any of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, then you can have other yeah. people. <laughs> and then there's kind of a little bit of uh, knowing what's going on. Um. I guess my goals for the podcast is that I'm going to try and talk about the people's stories. It's basically from when they were born. Yeah. And it's going to be, I would like, I guess most people that I'm interested in, I'll ask probably. I would like it to be with agriculture people. Yeah. Just because I don't, I feel like there probably needs to be a little more attention on the whole agriculture world. Mm-hmm. But could be anyone, anyone that I find. Fascinating really. And I think that has a good story to tell.
0: So it's Well, I'm honored honored to be your first guest. <laughs> yeah, Not I think, much of a story going on, but well we got we got some stories.
1: I mean Well hold that up for a second. Second guest I think I'll have Tori. Yep. And then we'll go from there. Tori wants to be the <laughs> young Jamie yeah, of my podcast. So he there. might be in pretty much a lot of them. Yeah. But hopefully I can get the um, software figured out for four mics.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. To have and a bunch then of people on.
1: it might be a little more fun. Mm-hmm. Might be able to have some podcasts and get a little tuned up.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're working on it right now. We're working on a little bit of uh, this whiskey that Tori's f- parents gave us to us. It's DeFant. Is that what you poured me? Yeah, that's what you got. I'm working on a little bit of absolute a peach vodka over here with a little bit of gatorade real trashy so yeah
1: I uh, how many shots <laughs> i've been drinking this
0: <laughs> since i was a freshman in college we used to drink gatorade <laughs> and everclear we had, good, we had a good time we you drink one jug of gatorade and you're blacked out that's i remember one friend jay deaton he used to uh he used to love it but one time we went and we were pre-game in a dodgeball tournament and we went over to the uh <laughs> msu gym and uh we were walking there and he was he was pretty tuned up and we we're just like oh, okay whatever and we were playing dodgeball and everybody got out but it's jay versus like six people and he's big tall freaking baby giraffe on skates kind of guy and <laughs> he was out there and he caught a couple balls and was getting people out and getting people back in he was having a good time and we eventually came back and won and Jay the next day we were asking him, we're like, So yeah, man, that was cool. Like you're, you're pretty good dodgeball, you know. He's like, what? what? What are you what are you talking about? We did what? And I was like, We wouldn't play dodgeball last night, you don't remember? And he's like, Nah, man, I was blacked out the whole time and I was like Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I remember I, I have a him. He was pretty much I think yeah. drunk most of the time.
0: No, He had fun, he, he made the most of college for sure.
1: Well, that's one way to do it. Well, okay, so my first day in college was I get you called me oh. and drugged me an AGR, yeah. And then we went to what was it, Sigma Chi, I think it was. Oh, really? Yeah, and then no recollection after that,
0: they were having a little shindig and something like Austin that, got a little junkie poo.
1: Yeah, I woke up in my dorm bed, no idea how I got there, <laughs> nothing, puke all over my pillow, not mm-hmm. a great night. Mm-hmm.
0: So thank you for Wel- that. Welcome to it. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, we had a little bit of fun while we were up there. It was quite a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, joining the fraternity was a good deal just because, just a social aspect, social aspect of it, where it's, you're going to meet a lot of people and. You're gonna have a lot of fun and honestly when you graduate, you're gonna have a lot of fun with your coworkers and whatnot. And it's like being able to do that I think is really important. You know, socializing right. with yeah. a mean, social aspect, you know. Networking, as they call it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we were just <laughs> we were just uh blaming it on the networking. We're just like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go get drunk at the bars, I'm gonna meet some people, it's gonna you know, be black we'll out.
1: Blackout it. At- 3 p.m. It's, it's networking. What do you what do Yeah, you we're going to
0: meet, We're gonna meet. you know, 100 people today. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> You'll learn how to talk to people when we're a little buzzed. It's actually the best way to do it. Yeah, it's a good way to make friends, that's for sure.
1: Takes a little edge off, but you still know what you're doing. Yep. It's like, all right, here we go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, that, that's probably why a lot of the people, I mean, they either get high or drink on podcasts. It's just take a little bit of edge off. You don't really know who you're talking
0: to on the other side, and it's like, all right. Here we go. Yeah, most podcasts are like that. They've got some sort of substance there yeah, on. Yeah, you got something like this, just a little mm-hmm. glass of whiskey or scotch or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And yeah, they're more open for sure. Because I mean, I think people like listening to deep conversations. They don't like listening to you know something simple. And everybody gets a little less vulnerable when they're uh, like when they're boozed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
1: I guess. This is Clinton Lesh, everyone. Specifically, Tori, who's listening, which is the only <laughs> one who's listening.
0: But Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, we've been friends for pretty much, how long has it been, like 2010,
0: probably? I, I moved to Baker when I was a eighth grader, which would have been five years before 2015, so it's 2010, so, right about then, we... Uh, right met, in middle school. Like, yeah. did you come 7th grade year? I came... Or 8th grade year, ...to Baker right before 8th grade. So, we were playing football together. You were right. in 7th grade, and I was in 8th grade. Yeah. So, I met a lot of you guys right then and there, because we started football practice like two days before school. And <laughs> I was like, all right, like, Dow, Seth, Joe, Austin, like, all you guys were fun to hang out with. So, I think that's kind of where it kicked it off.
1: Yeah, I... That was quite a while ago. And it's – I don't – did you – I don't even – I think I knew you before you came. Like, knew of you. Just because, I mean, small towns, East Montana, you kind of get to know who each other's, like, ranch
0: people are. Yeah. No, I was, like, the pudgy little fun kid that played (laughs) sports. That was – we definitely played each other in sports a few times. But I don't don't remember exactly, but I think we played in a, like Baker Jam. Oh, you were. I think I was like. There. oh I think I
1: have those pictures
0: somewhere. I remember you. You like, were on our team, weren't you? Like me, Jordan Walker, uh, Zach Cole, my brother, maybe Frank Callahan, and uh me. And I oh, just kind of got drugged along because I was like, <laughs> if Riley's gonna go, my older brother like, right. might as well. Bring and I underwater. mean, it's another body
1: in those tournaments, yeah. and so it's like, well, we, someone's gonna do something. You might as well have someone else yeah. on the bench.
0: And I was like, well, I can <laughs> I can fill up the
1: Gatorades for you guys. but You weren't filling the Gatorades up with vodka back mm-hmm. then, or what? I would have if I had known about
0: it. <laughs> Look at return a good time.
1: So, yeah, that was 15 years ago about now. That's probably the timeline of our Oh, yeah, probably relationship. running into each
0: other, yeah. Um, I but guess
1: I'll start with where you grew up
0: yeah so I was born in 1996 in Miles City I am 26 as of today
1: and you want to throw your social security number there too or yeah
0: uh, (laughs) so I was born in Miles City and then my dad was a hired man on a ranch outside of Miles City until I was about six and then he found a place in Ecolaca Montana which is a little bit southeast and he started running cattle for another guy on this place that he leased, and it was going good, and we were living there for probably, oh, I don't know, probably like five or six years or so. I went to school in Eklaka, and then the landlord died, and the wife was less fun to deal with, so my dad was like, well, there's this little place outside of Eklaka that's for sale, so we bought that. So in- this
1: was the house you were living in, in Eklaka, like in the city of Eklaka?
0: No, so where my dad bought a place was, it was about a mile west, and okay. we turned it into a feedlot to raise cattle, so.
1: Was that the same one that's there
0: now? Yep, yep. So, it's about a mile west, and when I was growing up, we would, we were building crels and feeding calves and doctoring calves. And right when my dad was like, we're gonna try to expand and raise our own cattle, the the cattle market blew up and it was way better every single year for about five years or so so we were when was this it was probably like 2013 right
1: that's that's a timeline i was thinking that's yeah
0: yeah right around there um probably like 2010 he started the idea and then you know probably 2015 was like the best year there was like calves were going for like seventeen hundred dollars like off the cow it was crazy i was like you can make a lot of money doing that yeah he was he was working on that and then he slow he slowly uh worked on buying places that he could run yearlings on in the summer and then eventually we bought a place south of town probably about five miles and that's where they live now and they've got kind of a feedlot situation too where they've got you know, slam bar feeder panels as feed bunks and they feed out of a vertical mixer. So it's got all the different, you know, right. ingredients for the ration Just, in there. But yeah. And then,
1: uh, hold up a minute. What, uh, let's go back a little bit. Do you remember much about your first six years of life as you're living as a ranch hands kid, I guess?
0: Yeah. Probably one of my first memories was we moved a lot when I was growing up, but there was, uh, a place probably five miles South of miles City that we used to live at and, we had, you know, a few cows. My dad was working for somebody else, but we had a bum calf named Moose, and <laughs> he, was, he was all decrepit and crippled, and my dad put, like, a handicap symbol on his ear tag. <laughs> I, was, I thought that was the funniest thing. But Moose stuck around with us probably for 10 years. And he was just a steer, little Hereford calf, and he was fine, but he was bottle-fed. and I remember one year when he was about six or seven, we took him to the fair, and he would, like, suck on your fingers thinking it was a bottle for milk. But he weighed probably 2,100 pounds or so. <laughs> and that was the thing at the fair was, guess the steer's weight. And whoever got close, you know, I'd pay a dollar or whatever to, right. to, you know, get into the the winnings. But, yeah, I think he ended up being, like, 2,100 pounds, like a great big Hereford steer. That was his dog gentle. But, yeah, I remember uh, one day when he was probably 10 or so he uh he disappeared and we didn't really think much of it but my dad <laughs> made some remark at the kitchen table he's like yeah moose takes tastes pretty good <laughs> and i was like what like you told me you sold him to a petting zoo you know? <laughs> and so eventually moose got turned into hamburger just like every good cow but i don't know that was that That's... was my first memory from over there and then we moved to a place it was called the elo ranch South of Miles City, even farther, probably 30 miles or so. And it was funny because we didn't even know, but it was Butch Cretzfield owned the place. and My dad was the manager there. And I didn't know this until I came to college, but I ran into this guy, Garrett Jones. Have you met Garrett?
1: I've heard of him. Yeah,
0: he's the grandson of Butch. Butch huh? was a lawyer in Miles City, and he had a ranch as a, you know, another investment. But, yeah, no, I i didn't know garrett before that or anything and he um uh, yeah he brought it up the fact that my dad worked for his grandpa for a long time <laughs> but we worked there until i was about six or so and i remember that i mean we had good little childhood memories with that we were um uh, well like,
1: right and i mean as like a ranch hand you it it's kind of a hard life I mean you don't you don't make the profits of the cattle you don't make the profits of the crops you don't do anything you're the one just doing the work and you're getting to yeah. run a few head of cattle and
0: yeah it's a lifestyle for sure that's right. what people get into it for they like working with animals and I mean they they do it because they like doing it it's kind of like being a teacher where you know obviously teachers aren't making the most money ever but right they enjoy like, working yeah, with you, the kids you think you're making a difference which is really important for that line of work. Um, When we moved to that place, I mean, we had all sorts of little memories. Like I was, where I was riding horses, I was probably like five or six, and I don't know, we'd have, my mom's got this one horror story of, we had like a three-year-old cold horse that was sitting by the mailbox, and my older brother and I drove down there in our little electric-powered Jeep <laughs> and We stood in the back of it, like the little John Deere one. Where yeah, it's it was two pink. feet off. It. Yeah, oh, it was, really, it was pink. Yeah, fancy. A- and uh, we, Riley, was like standing on my shoulders, and he crawled on top of his horse. And my mom sees it, like while she's was washing dishes, and she like runs out there screaming. And Riley's just sitting on this colt that's never been broke. <laughs> I was, she was freaking out, but we had a good time with that little jeep. We were on uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. No way. Uh, yeah, we were... Uh, rally Can and I, I were, pull it uh, up or not? Probably. I don't know. Rally and I were driving it, and we we're had... Do you know? So, maybe, like, what little guy? kids with wagon tip over or something.
1: It was called America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. And my mom sent it to them, and it was... We were pulling, a like, a little red wagon behind it, and it got snagged on a tree. And rally so. when it got caught, it didn't... rally didn't stop, so we just... Uh, When the rope came tight, it, like, tipped over backwards and tipped over on us. So, (laughs) I don't know. It was kind of funny. but And it was probably seven seconds long, the whole video. But we had a good time with that little thing. Pink Jeep. Yeah.
1: Um, I got America's Funniest Home Videos. Pink Jeep.
0: Kids. Kids' wagon, maybe. Kids' tip over or something? Yeah, something like that. Uh, it'd be impressive if this comes up right away. Yeah, that was uh that was a cool tradition. Like each generation of my direct family has had one of those like little electric jeeps. Like my little brothers did.
1: It was outside, right?
0: Yep. And uh my nephew Rhett just got one for Christmas. So
1: Do you know what year?
0: Probably like two thousand and one, maybe.
1: All right, I'll keep searching for this. What uh? So during this whole time period, was your mother a teacher then too?
0: Yeah, she taught Miles City. She was the kindergarten teacher at the time. She's taught third grade, first grade, kindergarten, basically the first entry level school. But she uh, she's always taught elementary school. She's a librarian now, though. She enjoyed that. Oh yeah, no, she she definitely likes it for the social aspect and the kids, right? And, I mean teaching is is one thing but getting to hang out with your friends and do all the school things and you have every weekend off and all summer and like she'd come and uh she'd live at our house during the summer and she'd cook and clean and be a good ranch wife but <laughs> I mean she was she liked the aspect of you know having her friends and
1: right well yeah being able to go to town and get yeah, away from everything if you're not thing, being a yeah. part of it is yeah it's kind of a big deal. Mhm. So you were in the Moss City area for the first six years. Yep. And then to eat Glacka. Yeah. And then I would assume probably like you said, it's kinda of the same stuff except you're you own everything you're doing. So it's a little different.
0: Yeah, I mean we were just leasing it from this right. from this couple, but I mean, but you're it, still running the animals. Like yep. it's
1: your animals that you're yeah.
0: yeah, I remember my dad saying at a really early, early age he's like the best day working for somebody else still isn't better for Better than working for yourself, and I was like, ah, "That's that's a pretty good point." You know, it's uh, the fact that you get to decide what you're going to do that day and decide if you know you're successful or whatnot. And it's like that's pretty valuable. I think a lot of people are missing that nowadays. Right, where it's it's their idea and they got it done, and it's very fulfilling. All
1: right, can't find the video. We need Tori here, so yeah, keep talking and we'll not find, have to do two things at once. We'll find Young Tori. Thanks, Tori. <laughs> anyway, so. I guess you worked through being at rent. What's what's it like being on the average ranch in the middle of nowhere, Montana?
0: Yeah, the one we moved to.
1: As a kid, I guess.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, was probably 33 miles from town or so. So we never, I mean, we'd go How to big town. is this town? Uh, Eklak is probably about 300 people at the time. Now it's probably maybe 400. They had a big spike <laughs> in the last 10 years, and they've added a few people, but it was i mean it was pretty laid back you had to find your own fun that's for sure i mean we would we would work all day you know some days we'd have days off but a few good memories we'd have is like just getting pulled behind the four-wheeler on a sled or we would we would shoot rabbits my uh, parents got us a 22 for christmas one year and we we had a infestation of jack rabbits at the time so we would we'd go around we'd shoot them we'd skin them and hang them on the wall we had it's like them? no. <laughs> we were just probably ten years old. And we should have ate them, but we definitely flirted with the idea a few times. I've heard rabbits is not bad. Yeah. No, I'm sure cottontail stew is good, but when a jackalope's like <laughs> half the size of an antelope, it's it's probably not that tender. <laughs> but it uh we had fun though. We were uh we'd go walk around the woods, which was really dangerous. Like I didn't I didn't realize at the time, but we were like 10, 11, 12 ish. And we'd walk, you know, two, three miles away from the house, up in the trees, and, you know, you'd, you'd well, yeah, see like. Yeah, especially out there. There's, I mean,
1: there's probably an overly decent amount of mountain lions and stuff out there. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't say bears that much. I, I would assume yeah. there's a couple, but.
0: There's a few bears. You hear stories every once in a while, but there's lots of mountain lions. And we would go hike on top of giant hills and push rocks <laughs> off, and that was fun. I remember we <laughs> this one hill, we pretty much cleared all the rocks off the top of this thing. I mean, they were the, the size of a. You know, Volkswagen bug that were just teetering on the edge of this cliff. And we'd push them off with, you know, four or five of our buddies. Like, we'd have some sort of, you know, birthday party or whatever. And we'd go hike on top of this hill and push rocks off. But there was lizards up there. There was snakes. Um, we never saw them outline or anything. Did we get bit by a snake? No, never, never had a snake bite. Um, seen a lot of bull snakes. Killed a lot of rattlesnakes. Uh, but never been bit. And that wasn't even, like, a concern, which was crazy. It yeah, it's was, weird. It was like, I mean, ah, just be safe. We went to, uh, we used to go to Mess and Rocks every last day of school. And I remember one time, we were probably, like, fifth grade, and we found a rattlesnake. And we were with a bunch of people, and we were, like, fucking with it. We had, like, sticks, and we were trying to kill it. And some <laughs> girl went back and found the teacher, and she came out. You know, some middle-aged woman was yelling at us, like, get the hell away from that snake. and was yelling at us, and we're like, "Nah, it's dead. It's fine." You know, it's always.
1: It seems like it's always the people that panic around snakes. Yeah, and it was like there it was freaked like, the snake out. The snake's like, "All right, I'm not gonna put up with this." Yeah. Here we go.
0: There was like four or five of us. We had, we weren't dumb. I mean, we were all like ranch kids, so we just we found a big long snake and we, stick and we whacked it on the head a few times, and we were gonna bring it back on the bus, but she wouldn't let us. Obviously.
2: <laughs> so.
1: Huh, so, I guess we got through. Your mother. Mother was always a teacher. Father's always been basically striving to grow the ranch and stuff like that be able to have his own place and do whatnot and kind of stuff like that what uh siblings what are the what do you got there
0: yeah i've got uh one older brother he is two years older than me so he's turning 29 in may and then i've got two younger brothers and they're seven years younger than me and eight years so they're 19 and about to turn 18 so
1: what uh Is your brother still in Inclair?
0: Yeah, the number Older one, I guess. Yeah, number one and number three are working for my dad right now. But they're both just, obviously, number one has more responsibility and has more cows and has all this going for him. He's 29, so he should. But the younger one, he wanted to go to school um, at a younger age, maybe go to college somewhere. But he's not looking at that anymore, so he's going to stay home. Yeah, what was up with that? Has he just... He's not, not a school guy? or Yeah, he's not a school guy. I think he had a bad senior year of just, like, tired of doing things yeah. for teachers and just didn't want to anymore, and it was like, well, it'd be good to, like, go out and see the world, but if you're not ready, just, you know, what take, about a, tech take a year off. You know, did he think of that? or Yeah, he's been thinking about that a little bit. He, uh, you know, listening to some of his buddies talk, going into those tech schools, like, oh, it's going to be the greatest thing ever, and I'm going to be working every day, and there's no schoolwork and all this stuff, and there's a little schoolwork. He was he was talking to some of them he's like, "Yeah, it's not not the same as like what they advertised." He's he was saying that one of his buddies is uh Wyo Tech in um mechanic or something. Yeah, he's like a diesel mechanic or something and it's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, no, we're just going to break down engines and put them back together and find problems and it's going to be great." And then he turns out it's like, "All right, you have to read about why engines work well, and everything and it's yeah. like well it's, it's it should be interesting for those
1: kids but the only thing that sucks too is mostly basically any school even tech schools, is they you got to do generals yeah and it's so dumb i don't i mean i get it to a point
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's like you went through high school basically doing generals why are you gonna plant on another year of generals just to uh you're not i like out of a welder or yeah. diesel mechanic you're not gonna use it or electrician or anyone
0: is that how it was at an electrician school yeah, so we – math and stuff?
1: I didn't because I, I was up here for a year and a half, mm-hmm. and I kind of got that out of the way. And uh, they actually – so speaking of math, up here, they put me in math like 65 to begin yeah. with. Yeah. First Not happy about that.
0: Level one. First
1: day went in there. It was like,
0: yeah. what is two plus two? I
1: was like, where am I
0: at? Yeah. And then they're like, well, you can take this test to get out of it. It's like, well, I don't fucking remember anything, so I'm not going to take the test. Well, luckily, I, I did.
1: An, I, I mean, I got into 121. Oh, okay. So right. it wasn't like, it was fine.
0: Well, I, then nobody ever mentioned to me, but it was the the SATs and the ACTs that place you in that. Yep. So I was like, I don't really care. Like, I got a, a 21 or whatever so I could go to school, but I did bad on the math. So it was yep. like, you get to be in 095, <laughs> and it doesn't even count. Nope. The first semester didn't even count for yeah, math. You had to, same
1: thing for me. I'd be, yeah. I think I got like a 21 or a 22 or something. Right? Yeah i have no idea that was so long ago
0: yeah and i'm just like well i don't even care like it's good to get you know high 20s 30s whatever but if you get accepted
1: max act tour is 36 36
0: is it? yeah there was a couple of people i went to high school with that got a 36 but they're going to the same place that's kind of wild Old jace ross he went to bozeman and he got a, like a 35 36 something like that what's the- what is he doing nowadays? He works for... I think he worked for SoFi, I think is what he really? was working. Yeah. Did he, he graduate? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he graduated in, like, computer science or something like oh, that. Oh, so he's... Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Like, he's, he's doing good. He was working... Doing something. And nice. I remember he graduated and started working for them before they had the SoFi Stadium. So, it was a big deal, obviously, but it wasn't as big as it is now. Right. So, I don't know where he's at now. Hi, Jace, if you're listening, but...
1: <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, for me, going... I guess I was in Bozeman for a year and a half, right? With some, I guess there was a couple problems in that I left. But so I got to Gillette, Wyoming, it was Gillette College or whatever they. I went in 2017, mm-hmm. I think, or that sounds like f- spring of 2018. Yeah, I think probably going. spring. Yeah, but I I went to school three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and wow. most of the kids, the mines actually came in and they recruited. And so they would pay for your school, but you had to work for the next three days of the week. So you oh. go to school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Which not a bad deal. They That's start the you out. I think starting wages was like twenty eight an hour. Wow. And then once you become a journeyman, it's like I think it was upwards of fifty.
0: Dang. For electrician. Yep. Dang.
1: So, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it sucks because you got to take buses out there. I mean, you can drive, but they'd frown upon it. So, they want you to take buses. It's 12 hour days, it's seven to seven
0: because
1: everybody's on shift. So, they got night shift and day shift. So,
0: it's like, uh, it's What does the average employee there do that's not in school? Does he work four 12s or does he work five 12s or two weeks, it's on, two weeks off? It's a very weird schedule. Yeah.
1: So, it's like four right. on, three off. Two on. Three off. Four on, four off. Uh, it's, it wasn't. They gave you a calendar basically for the year of kind of what they had planned out, mm-hmm. and then you went from there. It was very weird. Um, I did apply for those. Did I, you? Got rejected. No. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh yeah. Kind of happy now that I did not go to work in the mine.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> sound like a super fun experience.
1: Because yeah, they you had you, had, I guess. They asked me in an interview, like if I was gonna stay with them, and I said, "Look, I I just want to get my journeyman's. I'm probably not gonna be here after that
2: because mm-hmm.
1: of the ranch and whatever else. And I think that's why they didn't hire me because they want, I guess they make you sign a contract to work for two years after college, mm-hmm. so they can, I don't know, get their money back on paying for college for you.
0: Well, I graduated with this one guy, and he was talking about going to the trade school, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, it's gonna be great. I got free school and." I get to learn a trade and it's gonna be amazing. And then I talked to him probably three years later and he's like, Oh, it was it was dumb. They made me sign a contract <laughs> for five years and they were gonna pay me undervalue and it's like like nothing's for free. No, know, it never to, is. It's, it's never free. If
1: you find yeah, if there's just some good deal in college from some company outside of it, they will be like, Yeah, we'll play for college. Oh wait, you have to work ten years out of mm-hmm. college for us to pay it back before you can do anything, or else they'll like sue you for I don't know what the verbiage is on it, but it's it's weird.
0: Yeah, no, they basically pay in advance. They're like, we're gonna pay you less when you work for us, but you get free school. Right. And they trick a few kids doing that. But. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then, I mean, mines are for some people. I don't know if they're for everybody, but yeah, I don't know. They're, I think, I don't know if they're shutting those down in Wyoming.
0: Yeah, I heard it hasn't been good for them. You know, no. just with the. The current administration, I mean, they're they're pushing towards green energy and the coal plants. And they
1: were, they were working towards it then, and that was even under Trump. Yeah. So it was...
0: Yeah, I don't know if they're not profitable or what the deal is. You know, talking to kids from Coal Strip, I mean, they're just like, yeah, you know, they're closing Tower 1 and 2 or whatever, and it's like, well, maybe it costs more to update them for the green uh regulations now right are put all the filters is, in and whatever yeah. else they got going and it's on it's like but you have like thousands of years of coal to burn like you have right on you know people talk about fossil fuels being a limited resource and it is in the grand scheme of things but it's like there's millions and millions of barrels of oil that are in the reserves right now and yeah i, I mean all sorts I, of coal that's in the ground what do we
1: know really yeah i mean i'm sure we can get to the close stuff like f- mm. i don't know how far down they go it's quite far like i don't don't
0: know i don't know, what I, it... know the
1: number. I think it's a couple thousand feet that they usually go down yeah but
0: no i don't know what it is right there but that's like you're definitely gonna have energy source for a long time it's right. just can you slowly change it to something that's more right. renewable? but and course. i think that's fine but don't say that you're going to change everything. Be more efficient. Yeah. You sure. You don't want to be like, well, well we're going to change everything in six years. We're not going to. I was like, give it 150. Yeah. That's
1: California. Know? And they, they're they trying to go all electric cars by yeah. 30 or 2035.
0: Well, and they posted that thing. It was like, yeah, please don't charge your electric cars because yeah, it's going to bust the grid. The grid, grid was, was like, blowing up. Yeah. It's, it's like, all right, well, whenever we get the grid ready, <laughs> like maybe we'll all drive electric cars. Have you ever drove a Tesla? Matt's got one did you get it? I didn't drive it you got to sit in it oh. I I honestly I would buy one if we didn't live in like a cold climate right. it's like driving the smartest car out there it's not about yeah, for you sure. know feeling like a
1: no that's how I felt I was like I am in a spaceship
0: yeah I wouldn't want one for like the green aspect of it because it's arguable that you know you're doing all sorts of other stuff mining cobalt and also, doing all this other speaking stuff speaking of cobalt
1: it, just a little I guess input Joe Rogan's got a good podcast on cobalt and mining.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you should check it out. Very changing. I I forgot what the guy was. It was... Well, he's a reporter that went down there. And he uh, he went and checked out all the mines. And they're not supposed to have people digging out cobalt (laughs) because it's important for batteries. They're supposed to have excavators and bulldozers and all that. But there was like 15,000 people that were just digging with a pickaxe. And he was saying that... A lot of these people are forced labor. You know, they show up to this area and all the people that live there. It's like you're going to come work for us, and it's a Chinese-owned mine. But they go; they're in cahoots with the local militias and whatnot. And it's like we need, you know, fifteen thousand people to come work here. And we they were saying them.
1: fifteen of the nineteen cobalt mines in the or in South America is owned by China. South Africa. South Africa.
0: Well, it's like Uganda, I guess. But either way. Yeah, it's I like was China, way off. UA, <laughs> just a few miles, but <laughs> now China China knows that they need the inputs for their technology, and the best place to get them right now is Africa. Which is crazy that they have to ship stuff from Africa to China to over to America, so we can buy it. That's yeah, po- a ca- deal.
1: podcast is number nine four nineteen fourteen. Sid, Harth, Kara, yep, Joe Rogan. Good. That'd be it. But that was quite a deal. No, the, the, the Teslas are wild. It makes no sense.
0: Yeah, I've never even sat in one before, but just seeing pictures. it's like. Right. I mean, you've got that giant Tesla screen in there. And it's self-driving and everything. and But you never know what will happen with that. I mean, I just saw a thing talking about this one Tesla just slammed on the brakes in the middle of busy traffic. And <laughs> up. Was it under a bridge? Yeah. It yeah, so, uh, was hilarious. And I was like, well, I mean, it's like having a phone if there's... 10 billion phones out there one of them is just going to glitch and die and that's what happened to that tesla in a bad spot
1: yeah matt's trying to get he actually reserved a tesla truck oh really so i'm kind of hoping that when he get i'm i'm actually hoping he just drive out here just to take the tesla out here and see what's about out here yeah but,
0: no that'd be awesome i want one i think uh i mean they look it's kind of it's kind of hard getting used to how they look, but I think just <laughs> having them would be sweet. They're a little different. I wonder how much they cost. Are they? You think they're a hundred?
1: I think that's what it was. It was somewhere in that hundred range.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the longer you wait, the more affordable they're going to be, and probably the more kinks they're going to figure out. But yeah, I have to go use the restroom real quick, though.
1: right. now that Clinton took an abnormally week-long piss.
0: Yeah, I've had a few Gatorades (laughs) sitting here, but
1: (laughs) I don't know what the cost is. They're not out yet, so who knows.
0: Yeah, it's crazy they're not out yet because he's been talking about them for four years. Right. Anyway... You'll see everybody with a, a Tesla truck with a Dewey, Dewey's Hydro Bed on the back.
1: Mm-hmm. They're yeah. actually, I've seen something about, uh, not that it's ever going to happen because cars might start exploding, but the micro nuclear powered. Micro, yeah. Micro, micro nuclear powered. Um, I don't even know what to call it. I don't remember what they said, but it was just, it was basically like nuclear plants just the size of a penny or something.
0: Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was talking about uh, the only problem with that is if it's in a crash. You have right, starts leaking shit. everywhere. You have, <laughs> you have a nu- nuclear waste <laughs> on the highway, and it's like that's the only problem with it. But, no, they've come up with uh, quite a few different engines. This one guy was talking about uh, perpetual motion in a generated vehicle where it's a generator that has no moving parts it's just all this geometry and there's patents going in on it and it's like <laughs> being legit and then, you know it's kind of like the water powered or they say
1: yeah every time a water engine comes up that guy mysteriously dies so it's yeah. like
0: yeah so like they were we want to get a patent and everything before it officially comes out but it uh it, it might change a lot of things makes you wonder what everybody's gonna do with all these cars that they have nowadays where it's you know, in the future, in fifty years, is gasoline going to be a hundred bucks a gallon? Or so you know, take your that would be car very fun. Out, or is it not going to be existent? Or you're going to have to make your own gasoline? Or what's the deal? But it's like if there's probably no, all above. If there's no gasoline cars running around, I like, what do you do with all the diesel too? But
1: I don't know how they're going to get away from that. I mean, if they have something that's equal torque and power to like diesel engines, specifically for. Back to agriculture, I guess specifically for like tractors and stuff, or mm-hmm. any constructor equipment that you have to dig anything with. There's nothing that relates that we have now, yeah, to that power. So that's, I uh, to me, that's a hard one that they're going to have to.
0: Yeah, I think you can get the same amount of power with a electric battery, but it's just can you? You're going to have to charge it every can, forty yeah. four minutes can or you something. you recharge it fast enough, right. or can you have a battery that lasts long enough? Yeah, because they say the Teslas. I mean, they used, they had to throttle them down because it used to be press on the gas, and it was 100% power, and then you let off the gas, and it was off. Well, and that's it's like, Well, you obviously have to treat it like a normal vehicle. Now.
1: That's even with Matt's. It, when he stomped on it, it put my nuts into my mm, esophagus. It'll throw you in the backseat yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it made me queasy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. What what am I driving in?
0: What, uh, what model does he have?
1: I believe it was... Let me check. I got pulled up. Um, mm, mm. It was a model something.
0: Model X, Model
1: S. Model S, yeah. No, man. Yeah. He got the pretty generic version, but 0 to 60,
0: 1.99. What? 0 to 60 and 1.99? That's what it says. He Did might I not mean? have the Model S. Yeah, I think. Top
1: speed, 200 mile an hour. That's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the Tesla's get. that. What's death, the fastest you've ever gone? I I'm not a daredevil by any means, but probably <laughs> my pickup goes a hundred flat. But I've been in some vehicles that were going like one ten, one twenty ish. Really? And that's Okay, so that's he's enough.
1: got the model three. Oh okay. back to that. But anyways. But, not not quite the Daredevil or
0: No, no, I've never been a been a speedster, I suppose. I like when shit starts shaking then the <laughs> You know the reflector poles go start going by too fast. I'm just like, yeah, that's the ditches for me. become tunnels, and you can't. Yeah, see you it. never know when a wheel's going to fall off or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not about this. So, what
1: um, were we talking about earlier? Your brothers? You yeah, we
0: were talking about my brothers.
1: We got done with your older one. We were talking about
0: yep yeah, the uh, middle one. We were we were talking about uh trade schools. Yeah, and then so yeah, he's just ranching right now. He doesn't like school, but. Um, the youngest one, he doesn't really like school either, but he's pretty good at football, so he might go play football for Butte or somebody like that so he can keep doing that. He got hurt. And, Does Butte uh, still have a good program? I don't know. They, they just got a new facility. They've got a big um, – Well, they had
1: like seven years of going deep into the playoffs, so I would assume they got a little bit of funding.
0: Yeah. No, I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. He doesn't know what he wants to do yet, but we'll see. It's coming up. It's – uh I mean, he has one semester left at school, so he's got to decide pretty soon on what he's going to do. But I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. But, yeah. Oh. Huh.
1: I guess that'd be all your siblings now. What uh, So that that puts us into high school and your transition. I guess middle school, yeah. high school, your transition into the old big city.
0: Yeah. No, my, uh, my mom got a job teaching in Baker, and I remember telling her, I was like, Mom, if you find a place for us to stay – I'll go to school up there, and she did. She bought a, bought this uh, house right next to the school. It
1: was kind of a decent house. Yeah,
0: no, it's good. She uh, she got it for a really good deal. She bought it from the old principal. that retired. I was like, all right, I guess we're gonna go. So Donnie, no, the
1: uh, is Donnie was superintendent. Wasn't Donnie was superintendent. Who was the principal?
0: I could not even tell you.
1: I thought it was always like Lingle and Breitbach. And no,
0: it was it was somebody right before that. But Huh. yeah, we uh, we moved up there and started going to school and. I don't know. It kind of worked out good. The uh, There was a lot more options going to school in Baker. There's just a few more people. You know, growing up in e everybody thought that kids in Baker were troublemakers <laughs> or whatever. And it was like, all right, you saw the two troublemakers hanging out outside the gas station. But it was the same exact ratio. Exactly right. the same. Was, That's was, kind of everywhere. Yeah. If there was seven kids in my class in e there was 30 in Baker. And there was the same, you know, 10% of the kids were like jock, fun kids. And, right. You know, the forty percent were just kinda, you know, having fun, you know, ranch kids and then there was one percent that were shithead kids that were getting in all the trouble. So if there was one in ecleka, there was four in Baker in a class. So right. it it wasn't that hard to transition, honestly. But huh. No, I think it was I think it was a good move. Had a lot of pushback from a lot of people. We had uh, Yeah. There was my my family, my mom was teaching there, so everybody kind of laid off us. But there was a couple kids that went up there for just school. And they were they lived south of town, too. So it was like a <laughs> long ways to drive. And they were just like, you're just going up there for sports. And I mean, obviously part of it, they had better sports and more access to a lot of different Well, things. you
1: go from six-man football, or eight-man it was then. I think it was eight. I, I but, played
0: six-man in middle school, though. Well, yeah, so. to 11. I mean, it's... Yeah. So it was like well, people were really worried about that and they were very upset with a lot of kids. So
1: For anyone wondering, Baker had like 1700 people in it and probably probably 120 kids in the school. Yep. Consistently. Yeah,
0: so it was the the big school around. So.
1: <laughs> but I guess yeah, Baker was pretty much the biggest city close to Eagle. Yeah, for sure. Within, like, 100 miles.
0: Yep. Yeah, if you go south, you go to Rapid City or Spearfish in South Dakota. Belfouche, too. Belfouche yeah, is pretty Belle, civilized. Belfouche is pretty big. It's probably, like, 2,000 people or so. Yeah. But we would always go down there to sell cabs and whatnot. But um,
1: Was there – was it a tough transition?
0: No, I don't think it was too bad, honestly. I was kind of a the social kid in my class. And my older brother had a harder time just because he was a little more quiet. But – moving up there i mean everyone's at a weird stage in middle school so it was like you know everyone's weird so it wasn't a big deal but made friends through sports and after school activities um yeah didn't i honestly didn't think it was that bad i i really enjoyed it after about you know a couple weeks or so it, right. it was well, it was mean, interesting changing for sure, just like all these new faces. But yeah, it it made college a lot easier for sure. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, all right, it's time to honestly. I didn't some even think friends. about that.
1: That like the transition from a small school to a big school. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like just like college, like yeah. Eagle Egg like, or Baker. Not not that it's the same thing, but, but it yeah. was like going from like you said, seven kids in a class to you guys had like forty five kids in your class.
0: No, I think it was like thirty five ish. Really. Like. Yeah, it wasn't that many, but still, it was, you know, you don't know one. I knew my older brother, but he didn't want to hang out with me because I was a little <laughs> eighth grader, and he was, a, you know, a sophomore. And it's like, well, that's fine. But it uh, – no, I thought I thought it was good for kids at that age. Like, it's tougher when you're in high school. But in middle school, it's – there's people coming and going all the time, and right. it's, it's not too hard of a deal. But I wouldn't want to do it when I was, like, a junior in high school or something. That would like, be tough. Yeah. When you're a senior, like, everybody's got their little group of friends. And yeah. You're the new kid and I don't know. When I moved in there was probably two or three new kids in our class, so I was there was a few that moved in with you. Yeah. I don't even um yeah, Mackenzie, Buck, he moved yeah. up with us.
1: I'm not even saying just from E clock, I'm saying from like there was four or five kids yeah. that came from out of nowhere. Yeah.
0: And Baker's Baker's interesting because there's lots of oil filled people that work there and they bring their kids and lots of younger kids, not so much the older ones, but it's always been a weird deal with Always.
1: That. It was always weird to see kids come in for, like, six months. Yep. And then leave.
0: Do you ever remember somebody that you, like, wish would have stayed? Because normally it's, like, these kids. I mean, they're kind of traveling all the time, moving to different schools, so they don't right. really get tied down by anything. But was there anybody you remember in, like, elementary school or Dude, middle school? that
1: I, I barely remember freshman year of high school. I yep. can't remember anything.
0: And that was my thing, too, was, like, I mean in Eklakia, you'd have a kid show up for a year, and it was like, yeah, you're friends with them, but it was, th- it's it's really tough on those kids that move was it easier all the time. To
1: remember those kids in Eklakia that just came in? I would assume. I mean, with smaller classes, was there a bigger impact that they had on you?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think there was a uh, there was a couple people that were there for a couple years or whatever. And if you started there and then moved, it you could tell that like people missed you, I guess, and it was. Like the, um, there was one kid, I don't remember if you met Gabe Dede. Yeah. Yeah, I wrestled with him. Yeah, he, uh, he moved probably when he was, like, fifth grade, so it was, like, Gabe was one of the seven kids in our class or whatever, and he was gone, I was like, oh, shit, like, one of our buddies moved, you know? It was
1: later than that. I wrestled with him in middle school. Oh, really? Yep. So it must have been, like, eighth grade. I think eighth grade was, because I I wrestled sixth, seventh, and eighth, because they let you wrestle in sixth grade, which was...
0: Kind of wild, I guess. Not yeah. really, but I mean, sixth graders. I mean, you're twelve. Like that's yeah, 12. <laughs> but, he,
1: but yeah, he he was he was kind of the stud of the wrestling team. He was
0: he was pretty good. Yeah, he was, you know, he was, he was pretty, pretty athletic, he,
1: pretty good looking kid too. I'll give him that. Yeah,
0: yeah. He uh, it was funny. I haven't seen him since I was like probably a freshman in college. We were at the days eighty five the fair in Ikalaka, and We were just in the bar together and we like said hi or whatever, but. I was probably a year ago we were at Teasers in uh Three Forks (laughs) and I sit down and then here comes this random dude walking up to me. He's like, Are you Clinton? I'm like, Yeah and he's like, I'm Gabe and I was like, Oh shit. Welcome to it, (laughs) man. And he's doing good. He was back eastern Montana for a while and he was like, I'm just spending the night in Three Forks, so I figured I'd come here. I was like, Hell yeah, man. So we drank. What is he doing? He was working for a ranch in Washington or Oregon, somewhere in eastern Sure over there, but he, uh, yeah, he's just ranching away. Yeah. He
1: was, he was always, he was always a nice kid, which I mean, in middle school, it's nice to have like older. He was older too. I think he got held back once or twice or something.
0: Yeah. I think he was a little older because
1: he was very, very developed compared to the rest of us. And it's like, okay, but yeah, he was always very nice and that's always good. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess, I personally don't really remember that many kids coming in and out in middle school or grade school. I don't think we had very many. There wasn't. I, my class wasn't, but we had like twenty-two kids. Oh yeah. And I, I always hung out with like Dallas and Seth and Brady and Zach, and it was all older kids. So I never hung out with yeah any of them. So I didn't. Hmm. No one was ever that special. Was there
0: anybody that moved there that stayed that you became friends with? Matt. Matt for sure. Yep. Ben Fujimori. Yeah. Yeah. But they were all older too. Like Matt moved there when he was what? Like a 7th grade. 7th grade.
1: Yeah, I, it was close to the same time that you came in.
0: Yeah. That would, he'd been 7th grade when I moved. Yep. There. Like Ben, I remember he should Cuz he up.
1: was he was in he played with us 7th, 8th grade, right?
0: I don't remember. We'd have to look at a picture or something, but
1: I think he did. I don't know. I don't know.
0: But Matt uh, came
1: in, Ben came in. Yeah. And I guess they were both in my class.
0: Yeah. It's crazy thinking about like the people you don't remember. Like, uh, remember, like, Tyler Law? He was a year older than me. (laughs) He was a little skinny dude, and it was like he had a sister. Were
1: you so when – were we ever in the same PE class? Probably, yeah. This might have been – same PE class, 7th to 8th grade. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember. But he came in. I don't know what he did. He came in, and his shorts were just swinging back and forth, and I didn't know what it was. (laughs) And we were all sitting in our locker room, like, seventh, eighth grade, way on the end. So yeah, it was seventh, eighth grade, because we were changing on the backside of everything, mm-hmm. our far side. And he came in, and he said, you guys got to look at this. And I'm like, I don't really know if I want to look at this. And yeah. he just pulled his pants down. And his nuts. I shit you not, we're down to his knees. Damn. They look like oh,
0: were they purple. or, or yep. he got whacked or something. I, I remember know. that. Yeah, I remember. He, yeah, yeah. Got, he got whacked in the nuts or something, and he, he was they were swollen everybody. like cantaloupes. Yeah, I remember that. Now he was showing everybody <laughs> that look. He was like, he just oh man, his nuts out of his shorts. Yeah, the no weirdest. He thing. was like a little fr- freshman, and we were all eighth and seventh grade or whatever. And it's like, I, I don't want to see <laughs> it, man. <laughs> it was definitely weird. I, uh, uh,
1: that was one of the weirder moments I've had. But yeah, he was. I mean. I don't really – there was no one that – honestly, in our class, no one that came in just randomly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm probably missing someone, but there was – it wasn't a consistent, like, one or two kids a year. It was, like, one kid every two years or something. And it's like, okay, well, we just thought I'm a part of our class. And then they left, and it's like, okay, where did Jimmy go?
0: Yeah, that's tough when it's, like, you kind of expect them to leave. They show up when you're – You know, freshmen. It's like, well, my dad works in the oil field, and we'll be moving on when the pipeline's done. So,
1: was there very many foreign exchange students in E
0: Yeah, E had a bunch in high school, but I never, I never. That's what I thought. I think it was like half of them were foreign exchange students. Yeah, they would have like two or three a year, and no one really would admit it to it. But I think a lot of it was like, well, if we could get three more boys, we can have a better (laughs) sports team or whatever. They might have gotten like, a little
1: bit of funding yeah, or something.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think they ever sent anybody anywhere else. They didn't really exchange anybody, <laughs> but it was like I remember I never met the kids like personally, but there was a couple kids from Asia and there was a couple kids from like I remember them. A couple kids from like um like Germany and whatnot. Yeah. And it was like I like those guys had a lot of fun for sure. Like if you grew up in you know, Bangkok, Thailand, it's like and you moved to Ikaleca where there's just nothing, it's like Probably freaks you out a little bit seeing a little the bit, yeah. seeing the stars and seeing the forever. Of and you, there's no one. Legit middle of nowhere. I mean, you can look all the way around you and there's no buildings. There's nothing. It's like that. That would probably freak me out a little bit.
1: I think we had one foreign exchange student in our class out of everything. Who was that? Elisa Hotala.
0: Where was she from?
1: Finland. What you grade? don't remember? What grade uh, was it? Was it in high school? It or? might have been. After you graduated, oh okay.
0: Yeah, because I don't remember. I don't remember anybody from Finland. I guess she was very tall, like six two. Yeah, I probably would remember that. So it must have been when you were a senior then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. So you, where are we at here? So you moved to Baker. You just came to Baker. Yeah. What was what was the difference? in the sports? Like what was, I guess going from eight man to 11 man, obviously. And then there's a lot more competition. I would assume in practices and just games in general.
0: Yeah. I think one of the biggest things was you had enough kids to practice each other in actual live drills and everything, whether it be basketball or football or whatever it was, it was like when we would practice in six, man, I mean, we'd have 10 kids on the team. So it's like, all right, like, all right, the starting six, and then four of you kids stand out there. And when we moved to Baker, I mean, there was probably 30 kids on the eighth grade football team. So it was like you could actually run through plays and everything. So that was pretty handy. But other, other than sports, I mean, travel is a huge thing in Montana just for uh, any division, ABC, whatever it is. But... Um, yeah, just going to different towns was a big thing for us. I mean, we'd go on to Weibo or Broadus or Forsyth as a class C school, but after moving to Baker, I mean, you'd be going to Well, yeah, Alaska so you, I guess you didn't even
1: was. play 8-man football.
0: So near, I guess. They started playing football in I think it was like 5th grade. You could go out for football <laughs> and you'd be playing with 8th graders. So it was like 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th and they'd have, you know, 10 kids on the team, whatever, for six man. But I guess when I was until I was sixth grade, they played eight man. And then when I was in seventh grade, we played six man. Right. And that was kind of fun to get to play all of them. But eight man is just a smaller version of 11 man. But six man is its own thing. I mean, six man is, it's a while. Anybody around. that's watched a six man game knows what we're talking about. But. It was like I was playing center, and I would snap it to a kid, and then he would snap it between his legs to the quarterback, because the first guy that touches the ball can't run it. So then the the second guy that touches the ball can do whatever. So we had this funky formation. <laughs> it was like a human centipede type looking thing, and I don't know, it was interesting. Like I'd go out for passes and everything, and I don't know, being a larger uh, lineman, being in uh, eleven man was definitely more fun just because you got to use your skills and right, you, get, you had a better body type for you're actually playing up, 11. actually like a man. full defense and a full offensive line. Yeah. And it's If you're going to be a six man, I mean, you just need a bunch of athletes this is what you need. You need a basketball right. team out there. Somebody can throw and somebody can catch and, you know, some people get in the way and, <laughs> so you can run it a little bit. But <laughs> watching watching six man games, I mean, it's, it's 15 yards for first down, but you get five yards pretty much every play if you're any good. Just because right. you can just run away from everybody. And yeah. You,
1: if anybody knows what they're doing, it's, Consistently a high scoring yep. game.
0: Yeah, you're going to score points, and I mean, if you can get turnovers on defense, that's a big thing. But eleven man, I thought was, I mean, it was fun being able to play a game that you saw on TV. Like eight man and six man really wasn't that right. It's kind of comparable. So,
1: I guess we're off of football. So you came, you came in between seventh and eighth grade year, right? That's, I guess that's really when I first met you. Mm-hmm. I was backup quarterback if anybody wants to know I was backup quarterback for six years so that was great
0: Austin's on the bench (laughs) yeah the great Dallas Arnell in front of him yeah I had. a well I don't know if let's calm down the great but
1: I had the Dallas Arnell in front of me
0: but man I remember when we were freshmen Dallas and Seth they were always we were we'd get put in when we were winning by you know 20 points or whatever in varsity and like I remember, Dallas and Seth would always have a little because uh, they were cousins. They they would have a little beef between each other if you're <laughs> going to throw the pitch or not on an option. And it's like, Dallas. Dow- I remember Dallas ran like two of them in on varsity or something, and Seth was just like, "Ah, you know, you can pitch one. I'm open <laughs> too, you know." But they, we were playing some some team that wasn't wasn't the best. So there was a lot of not that best teams. Yeah, no, it was it was fun playing playing football for Baker. I mean, they were good for. We just come twenty five so years ago. You,
1: so. you got coached by Donnie for one year, right?
0: No, he was uh, his last year was when I was in eighth grade, and then he retired. So I I was oh. the first year with Bright and he did a good job. I mean, I have no complaints about him. He had a good time with us. And
1: Everything that I've heard though is Donnie was he was all about discipline and the fundamentals.
0: Yeah, I remember listening to my older brother talk about practice, and they would do agility drills, yep. which was about thirty minutes of up-downs or (laughs) it was all these different stations so you do like spider drill which was like the ropes and you do high knees or you go and do that for five minutes and go bear crawl for five minutes and you do up-downs for five minutes and you do up you do tackling drills for five minutes and it was i mean you were ready to play for sure there was there was no honestly i think that's
1: what makes championship teams is just fundamentals and discipline yeah no i think it's and I'm not saying that Breitbach or his coaching staff didn't have that, but it it wasn't the same. Yeah. It and was, I know that.
0: Yeah. But it's uh, – I think the big thing, you look at any school that's consistently good, they have a good weightlifting program. Yeah. That's my thing is, like, whether Which? it was Baker or Weibo or whoever it is, it's like if you lift weights from the time you're eighth grade to a senior, your good players are going to be studs. They're going to be, like, college athletes. And then everybody else is going to be way better than the average kids at another school. Right. You know, even – there was kids that brought us that it was like, well, you're five foot five, but you could bench press two hundred and fifty pounds, <laughs> and you're a lot better than the kid who's five five that's never lifted weights yeah. at another school. So,
1: yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It I, we grew up lifting. Yeah. And it made no sense. I mean, you probably shouldn't be lifting when you're fifth, sixth, seventh grade, yeah. eighth grade. I mean, not heavy weights, but we yeah. were, we were maxing. Mm-hmm. Seventh grade.
0: Yep. Yeah, you're having a good time with it. And it, it paid off for sure. I mean, by the time you were a senior, if you lift weights for five years, like you're doing a lot better than the kid that's never touched weights, even if you got farm strength. And even even today, I don't I don't like the term farm strength because everything's so automated and everybody's got a, a, tractors and skid steers. Yeah, you just turn the GPS on and call yeah, it a day like for no, stuff. and nobody then it's nobody picks up little square bales anymore. No. And hauls buckets of <laughs> feed. It's like
1: – Well, that I, I don't know about that because we still do actually –
0: yeah, if you if you're gonna do like finish some steers or something, you've got one or two. It's like a five gallon bucket of right. corn's fine, but yeah, it's not like you're it's not like 1910 when you were everything was manually. <laughs> yeah, later. there was
1: minimal tractors, mm-hmm. and yeah, you basically just turned everything out. Yep, had to do everything yourself, which but
0: I guess the weightlifting thing was was a big deal back then, and I think they're kind of getting away from it now because
1: they so uh, right after my. I guess right after the grade below me, like Luke and all them, that was like the last class that lifted weights. Yeah,
0: and that's the thing, too, is like the kids that take it seriously are going to take it seriously and they're going to lift weights and have a good time and, you know, do camps in the summer or whatever. But if you can get the random kid who really doesn't – is super involved in sports to do it, it's like he's going to be worth it. You know, we had kids – when I was uh, a junior, we made it to the state championship, and we had – two offensive linemen that were probably, like, 170 pounds. And they were <laughs> just, mean and they were wrestlers. Who was that? Dude. That was
1: Travis Keenick and – Travis Keenick and Cody oh, Byers. Yeah, Cody Byers. Yeah.
0: Was. Like, Cody was probably he was a five, eight, head 170 pounds. And he played center and he just ran over kids. He would get a hold of you and run you over just because – I mean, you were a 180-pound linebacker and you'd never done any sort of physical training. And he would get a hold of you and throw you on the ground. And, yeah. And then you run into a team like Missoula-Iola where they're all, you know, every every offensive and defensive line is at least yeah. 250. In Three
1: four-star athletes. And it's yeah. like
0: And they can't. You're not going to get away with it anymore. That's for sure. But, yeah, high school was fun. They'd football was fun. quite a ride. I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. if anybody knows anything about Baker, it's football. That's I mean, that's kind of what they were known for. Yeah. Football and oil field, that was really it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a good time with it for sure. Um, but yeah, to the agriculture stuff when I was in high school, I mean we were ranching and doing all sorts of stuff like that. My dad was expanding the place. I mean cattle prices were good, so we were buying more places to run cows and slowly building the herd and everything. And um,
1: did you, yeah, you ever have cows in high school?
0: Yeah, actually when I was a, when I was a sophomore, it turned out that uh, the McRae ranch in coal strip their ranch burned down in a big fire so they're having this clearing house of a uh, all their cows and that was like very sad for them but i didn't know sure. the kid at the time but it was uh brett McRae's dad
1: yeah weird how the small world
0: comes yeah. back around and we went to the sale of mouth city and there was 60 short-term cows that they called them they were like seven uh, Nine or something like that. Like, not quite smooth mouth cows yet, but we were looking at them, and my dad was like, If you and your brother split them, like, we'll go to the bank and we'll get a loan, and you guys are on the hook for it. I'll co sign for it, but then they'll be your cows, and that'll be your college fund. So, all the calves that you raise, you pay back to bank. And then by the time you're a senior, you'll have all the cows paid for, and you pay for school. So, that's what we did. We, uh, I bought 30 cows when I was a sophomore in high school. And by the time I was about a junior, after that second calf crop, I mean they were all paid for, which was really nice. Going into college because I got to pay for all my college and walked away with no student loans or anything, which was super helpful.
1: Um, what kind of? I guess I wouldn't say so much growing up as a kid on a ranch. I I would assume you learned some lessons as a kid, but you're kind of just there. You're a part of everything. You're you're not looking to learn it, and you're just. Kind of wandering around, playing in the dirt. Yeah. Branding, probably. What, a, I guess, probably probably when you hit, start hitting, I would think, 8, 9, 10, you mm-hmm. kind of start to grow a mind. Yep. And thinking about things. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, lessons did you learn from going from a ranch and then going to Baker and then football and stuff like that? What, Like, what, I guess, yeah, what kind of lessons did you learn from that?
0: Yeah, I thought, I mean, it's not like the the show yells down by any means, but (laughs) there's always little wisdoms getting dropped on you. But one thing that really stuck with me was if you want to get where you're going in life, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. And just doing them and getting them done is way better than just worrying about it. So I think that's a big, big thing nowadays with me is just, you know, maybe I don't want to do this thing or this part of the process sucks, but I was like doing it anyway is a big thing like a lot of people aren't willing to do it it's, like it's a huge thing sometimes you're gonna have to do things you don't like you yep. to get where you want to be and that's, i think
1: honestly most days you're gonna have to do
0: things you don't like yep and you have to find a, find a career job that is fulfilling and you enjoy it in some aspects but i mean if you if you can't do the things you don't like like you're not gonna not gonna make it to the point that you want
1: right yeah It's. It's a weird deal. It's, that was the same thing for me growing up on ranch. It's like, that's how my father said. Like, it's, I don't really care what you, like, it, it, it wasn't a mean way of saying it, but he said it in a stern way, and it was like, I really don't care what you want to do. Yep. This is what we have to do.
0: Yeah. Nobody wants to go on un- unthaw frozen water tanks. No. In a zero go crack the ice on every blizzard. water tank on the ranch. It's like, well, <laughs> Yeah. If you have a water tank that freezes, it's like. You have to go fix it. Like those cows will die without you, so it's like right. Or you even, can't you can't dick around and be like, well, you know, we'll just do it tomorrow. It's like you you have yeah, things that rely up, on you. Show up, but on the cows are basically thirsting to death. Yeah. No, there's there's lots of good lessons growing up at a ranch. Um, lots of freedom, I'd say. I mean, as a little kid, you don't get to experience it, but when you're when you're the boss, I mean, it's you're coming up with different things to do each day and it's it's your decision i mean it's not yeah it really simple.
1: takes uh it it takes a very good work ethic Yep. like you have to be a, like you can't put yourself first what comes first is the ranch and that includes the animals the animals actually come before everything because they have to be able to get fed yep. they have to have water that's really it, honestly. But in the winter, it's tough because they don't have grass. All the grass is frozen. There's a foot of snow on the ground, and it's like, okay, you got to wake up and go feed everything every day, and it's, it's kind of a hassle. But it's just back to what you said. It's you got to do what you don't want to do, mm-hmm. and it's that's a big one. That is a big one. I'll give you one that. Yeah. One point um, for Clint. Yeah. <laughs> Over life, actually. One life zero. Clint one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i don't know uh there was there's was definitely some little things obviously sprinkled in there Although pretty much every day there was something you learned but uh just growing up with animals i mean that was that was pretty important for me i think you know having things that rely on you and making the tough call sometimes where it's like you know this animal suffering you gotta put it down i was like life is precious but there's there's times where it needs to be over and you know, like having to put down a you know a dog because it got ran over having to you know put down a horse because it broke its leg it's like it's not it's never going to be the same and i don't know i thought that was a very important thing to thing to learn because you're trying to keep these animals alive but if they're not living a good life i mean it's not right they're sick or maimed or yeah and that's the thing is you you put your heart and soul into keeping these animals safe but Sometimes it's You gotta know when to pull the plug And I don't think Yeah that's I, people know that
1: That's one thing I also learned too Is I mean Really it's just about death Yeah Death is just around every corner And that's not I mean Yep There's one thing that you Never get away from And it's taxes and death
0: Yep Yeah you never get over that That's for sure
1: Yeah it was Death was a weird thing Like you Even during calving mm-hmm. You would You'd do everything that you could Yep And it's just you're gonna lose. I don't. I don't know what the exact percent. It's like five or ten percent of calves just yeah, naturally them. each year.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's only so much you can do on all of these calves. I mean, you can cab everything inside, but you're gonna have some that get sick, and some that are stillborn, and some that get hung up, and you got to pull them. And pulling them is uh, probably not the best thing for them, but getting them out saves the cow. And yeah, the mother. Uh, probably everyone actually. Yeah. So. And there's times you have to have cesareans or whatnot but it um yeah the the birthing process was good to see growing up because i mean it's still makes a little squirmish when you see a human (laughs) give birth but the cows definitely knock off the edge
1: yeah there was i think it was two years ago my father just bought some heifers from one of the guys around the baker area i don't i don't know what happened to those heifers but i think i pulled Probably 12 calves in one day. Wow. And it's like, what? The calf is half the size of the cow. Uh.
0: Yeah, it must have been the neighbor's buffalo jumped in. <laughs> had way too big a shoulders. Spreading its
1: genetics everywhere.
0: That'd be quite a crossbreed. Yeah, they make beefalo, that's for sure. Really? They're, yeah, they're not. They're um, able to breed? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, the beefalo, look it up. There's uh, Supposedly, they are the good things about cows, and they look more like a buffalo they're they're kind of like uh they look very domesticated buffalo
1: this is probably the wildest picture
0: Mm -hmm. but i don't think a lot of people do it just because i mean if you're gonna say it that is a weird crossbreed yeah if you're gonna say you're raising bison and you're serving bison steaks at a restaurant it's like nobody wants to eat a beefalo it doesn't sound very appealing i don't think so it's like pick one or the other i wonder if it's good or not it probably is. It's probably a little more lean just from the Buffalo right. side, but.
1: Huh. These are, I encourage everybody to go look up a buffalo These, this, uh, this is interesting. I'll say that. Yeah. So now uh, we were, we got to, we were at freshman year. So what, what, what was high school like for you, I guess?
0: Ooh. Um, high school was a good time. I thought it. Uh, it's obviously not for everybody, but I don't know. Made a lot of friends when I was in eighth grade, right there. Um, actually, was hanging out with a lot of girls. I was there. That was their, an understatement. There was there. I was their best friend, though. They all had boyfriends <laughs> when I was in eighth grade. They all had like sophomore boyfriends.
1: That was. Side note: That was also a weird time. Yeah, literally yeah. everyone in your class had like sophomore, junior boyfriends. And- all the boys in our classes were like,
0: what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, all of them had pretty much boyfriends. So <laughs> I was just their friend that was a guy that they could ask questions. And I stayed friends with them, you know, all of high school and after. But uh was hanging out with Dallas and Seth and Brady. And uh, Jordan Walker was from Eclaka So hung out with him quite a bit. My older brother had a group of friends. And they'd tag me along on a lot of their parties because he was uh, – when I was a freshman, he was a junior. So I remember we got to go to, you know, football parties or whatever because my mom was like, take your little brother kind of thing. So I was like the one freshman there for a lot of these things. And he had kind of a wild group that he was with. I mean, they were <laughs> drinking and doing all sorts of he stuff. He was kind so. of in kind of a wild group. Yeah, there. he had quite a few friends that were little delinquents that would go do delinquent things. <laughs> but they – uh I don't know. Yeah, I had a good time, for sure, growing up over there. And then when my older brother graduated high school, he went to Powell, Wyoming, for school. And then I uh, I was good friends with a lot of his friends, honestly, just because I was, like, the young kid or whatever that was tagging along with him. But after that, got really close with the people in my class and a few of the kids older older than me. But, um, yeah, played a lot of sports, just ranched in the summer, honestly it was kind of a good thing i think looking back on it though like a lot of my friends would go and they'd go eat or go party or whatever after sports and it was for us it was like we're going we're going to eat clock we got to work in the morning we would work every weekend and all summer and didn't get to hang out with my friends very much after school or during the summer but it was good to like you know we got to go work that was a good life lesson because i mean you're not going to get to hang out and have fun all the time but no
1: that's kind of that's quite a childhood conundrum then yeah go to school for six and a half hours a day seven hours and you go home and yeah. do nothing let alone a lot of people are in sports in baker i
0: guess but yeah still and it, it was good um we would uh we lived in ekelec which was 30 miles south but when i got older i mean i had my own vehicle and be like oh I'll, you know go out and eat with my friends after yeah. sports and then I think... Come back in I the morning or whatever.
1: That's when our relationship started to develop. I mean, it, it a little bit in seventh and eighth grade. Obviously, I was back quarterback and you were center, so I had to mm-hmm. take some snaps through your butthole. <laughs> but <Yep.
2: laughs>
1: other than that, I think right when I guess when I got in high school, I think that's when our relationship started to develop because we were in all the same sports. Yep. Football, basketball, track, and then we all hung out with the same people.
0: Yeah, we had mutual friends. Yeah. And then uh, probably when you started having the man cave stuff that's when that we was started hanging out. out Austin renovated his barn the top of it's like a apartment now which is I don't
1: when I don't remember w- what year that was
0: I remember we started hanging out there quite a bit when I was a junior so you were a sophomore but it might have happened you're a freshman but I think you were I remember being out there a lot when I was a junior because we did like the ALS Luke Erickson disease bucket challenge out of your place yeah I remember that was like one of the first times I was out there
1: that was pretty cool. I think that was that was kind of the first time that I think that I started to kind of become a part of, I guess if you want to say the popular group or whatever you want to call it. Because, yeah. I mean, growing up, I didn't – my social skills were not quite developed. So I was kind of – I was just quiet. Yeah. And I didn't really know what to say. So it was like everybody's like, okay, so he's not saying anything. Cool. <laughs> we'll just move on. Yeah. But I think, yeah, that I guess we renovated our barn – the attic of our barn and we turned it into basically a hangout spot i think my i think it was my freshman year the summer of my freshman year is what it was yeah that sounds or, right i guess summer going from freshman to sophomore
0: yeah because i remember hanging out with, in uh dallas's basement quite a bit growing up that was quite the place yeah because mom and dad weren't home or they if they were they were upstairs being quiet <laughs> dallas was kind of kind of the king of the king of the castle down there so but His place had a lot of, he like he he had a lot of stuff going on out of there. Yeah, he did. I remember Ben Fujimori and I'd have boxing masters down there. It was a good time. <laughs> we had, ben, ben wanted to wrestle all the time and I'd just punch him in the nose and then get mad and throw him on the ground. And now he's like a UFC fighter who would whoop my ass.
1: Not quite UFC, but he is in fights. He he's getting after it, man. He got uh so he was did you know he was two hundred and fifty pounds in high school?
0: Really? I I'd, I'd believe it. I mean he was a thick boy. He's one seventy five now. Dang. So that's what, like seventy five pounds? Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's pretty cut too, which is pretty shredded. Doesn't have a six pack, he said, but whatever, I guess. That doesn't matter.
1: He's still shredded.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he was he was quite a character. He he's one of the yeah, one of the kids that moved in. Mm-hmm. I think he came from
0: Washington. Yeah, it sounds like Tacoma or something, or somewhere yeah. in Seattle, maybe yeah. even. But yeah, no, high school was a good time. Met a lot of friends. Um, after high school, went to MSU Bozeman and did ag business. And well,
1: that's the next seven years. We got a little bit. Of yeah, we had
0: some time <laughs> with that one. But uh, wanted to go. I had the opportunity to play football for, like, Dickinson and some other small schools. But I was like, you know, I, I think I'm done. I'm just going to go play. going to go play the beer pong. You think you, you could to play college football? like consistently, oh, yeah. consistently at an NAI? Oh, yeah. No, we went to – Even a, maybe D3 or even maybe D2. Yeah, we went to a, a camp
1: in Dickinson. What about D1? Like that's, FCS. That, that, I don't know about FDF, FBS, FCS. Yeah, maybe.
0: that's the thing, is we went to a camp in uh, Dickinson. And there was a kid there from Miles city, and we were in the same position, but I was whooping him at everything. And he went and started for Dickinson as a freshman. And I was like, all right, okay. Like, after the fact, I was like, all right, okay. Like, if I if I was there, I would have got to play. But I remember going to a spring game in Bozeman, watching him play football, and looking at the offensive linemen. I mean, they were all, like, six-year seniors, and they were 6'5", 300 pounds. And I was like, holy yep. shit, these guys are big, you know? <laughs> So I was like, ah, I don't really want to go be a practice dummy for five years, and then get to pl- play. You know, when we're winning by a bunch, so got out of that. Didn't, wanna, didn't want to. They weren't very good them. back then, too. by no, the way. no, they weren't that good, but they had some big kids. They were probably pretty slow, but yeah. Anyway, we uh, decided not to do that, and then went. To school. What about track? Did you ever have
1: offers on track? Like, no. were
0: you decent at? No, anything? I was. I was like, I'd make it to divisional. <laughs> but i like i could i could throw disc a little bit but yeah. i mean throwing it 120 in high school is like all right you've practiced and you kind of understand what's going on if you can throw it like 140 and in high school and what you throwing
1: against Tucker Gates
0: yeah no we had a good story about Tucker <laughs> Tucker won like six champions or state championships by himself He won, like four in wrestling and two in track or something but we were throwing at baker at the district rounds and Tucker Gates goes up and he's supposed to throw it like state record type stuff and he goes in there and he slides back and throws it up and roars like a lion and it flies out there and lands outside of the sand pit and it's like 60 feet or something like that which breaks the <laughs> class b record and people are clapping for and people shot put right for shot put and he's clapping everyone's clapping cheering having a good time and they're like all right Les, you're up <laughs> i go out there and i throw it like 38 feet i was like almost half of what he threw it and i was like yeah i don't think the old track things for me but he
1: was an animal in yeah high school. no
0: he was i mean we were talking to him during track and he's like yeah i used to drink a gallon of milk a day and he was just he was just on a different level for sure i mean he was about as wide as he was tall and played defensive tackle for the bobcats and had that big tackle and the miracle I mean, of missoula yeah, and go. caused a fumble and he was he was quite the player. We got to play him against some football too, and we had a kid named uh, Dustin Ergens, and he was he was about the same size, but he was a little more mean than Tucker was, and he he was pushing him around pretty good in the game. But I remember that Justin or Dustin was uh, Dustin would always come to the sideline and just just
1: this motherfucker can't he,
0: compete. Yeah, he was he was whooping him. I remember that, and they he ran over me a couple times in that game because I was a little junior, but. I remember Cody Byers, that little kid we were talking about. <laughs> he cut him, and then I hit him, and he got up and he roared at us. He was like, "You guys can't fucking do that." And I, Cody, he's little, you know, 170 pounds, and this guy weighs like 280. He was like, "Oh, what are you gonna do, Tucker?" And I was like, "Cody, get the hell away from him. He's gonna eat you. Like, leave him alone." <laughs> but put you on the trigger and roast you for. Oh the yeah, no, that wretched. guy was. That guy was a man amongst boys for sure. He was a character. Oh yeah.
1: So he could have played in a probably D three, probably D two,
0: maybe. I don't know any D two schools, honestly. Like they're D two weird. Around. Yeah, they're not really around Montana very much. But the old uh, FCS was probably a little big for my britches, but <laughs> I wasn't wasn't trying to. So
1: yeah, you got to be committed to it. Oh yeah, I no,
0: I I had some people like talk to me about it, and they're just like, you know, this is. Uh, like a nine to five job And if you want to be good You're going to have to put All day every day And you're going to have To lift weights And more than everybody else And you're going to have To watch more film And do right. school And I was like I'm not signing up for that But Anyway when I got to Bozeman Joined uh, A fraternity The Alpha Gamma Row And then Got some good Social experiences Out of that And then Old Austin showed up The next year
1: What was your first year Like in The OAGR?
0: You know, we really didn't hang out there as much as I'd like to think. We were hanging out in the dorms. We had a good group hanging out in uh, North Hedges with the 10th floor. and Who there was, was it? It was like you and wasn't it Holland? There was you? like five of us that joined <laughs> HR because it was a good time too. But it was me, Holland Dozier, Eric Fulton, Tyler McKenzie, Chad Wilson, uh, Jay Deaton, Holden Vandervoort, Justin Rowe, Brady Richardson was up there. West I don't remember much about Holden. Did he... Yeah, Holden was uh, Jay's roommate, and Holden was the most about AGR. When we showed up to college, I mean, he was like a big 4-H, FFA guy. The guy that he knew was Brant Marsh, and he was a state officer when he was a senior or something. State officer for? FFA. So after you graduate high school, there's like state officers that are freshmen in college. Right. So he was all hot and bothered to go over there, so he drove us over there quite a few times. But Holden had to miss— uh, initiation because he was at the Nile or something like that and then after that he was just not about it so <laughs> he kind of got us all into it but we had a good, such a good time with just our people in our dorm that we didn't really hang out there that much. Yeah I heard I think you might have said that a couple of times. Yeah you, uh... and we I mean we, we we would we'd go over there and have a good time party or whatever but it, uh, it wasn't a big deal for the first year for sure and then I moved in when I was a sophomore and it kind of took uh, off from there.
1: First year what were you going to school for? I was in egg business for, so. Is that what you always wanted to do, or you just take egg no, because it, cause it, it was, was
0: just so funny story? I got accepted to Bozeman for graphic design because so I was like, yeah, <laughs> I could be an artist, you know, that'd be cool. And I chickened out at orientation. I was standing in the line with all the blue haired kids, and I saw a couple guys <laughs> that I would eventually know, like Michael Walsh and Jared Kiff, and they uh they were standing in the egg business line. And I was like. I'm not doing four years of this. Like, I'm going to go hang out with, like, the people I know. So I went and stood in the egg business line. I was like, hey, I'm changing my major. So I changed my major, and then after three years, I had, like, a a mid-life crisis type thing and (laughs) was like, I'm not.
1: So you did egg biz for three years?
0: Yep. And then I switched to animal science first semester, and then I switched to graphic design, and then I switched to studio arts, which is – where I finished... What's the difference between graphic design and studio art. So graphic design is more like logos and branding for whatever it may be, websites, um, T-shirts, whatever it is. It's all computer-based, so you do a lot of sketching on, a, on paper, and then you go to the computer with your designs and make them into a vector, which is basically... The difference between Illustrator and Photoshop is they work on two different principles... Uh, Illustrator is an area is all one color, and it's blocks, and then Photoshop is pixels, so it's all these little tiny squares that you change the colors of. So Photoshop is good for editing photos, and Illustrator is more towards uh, logos and whatnot. Right. So like any logo you've ever seen is a vector image. Right. So I did that, and I was like, I don't know anything about computers, but that's the. <laughs> The one thing I don't know, so maybe I'll be really good at it. And I was not. Everybody else in there knew <laughs> that they wanted to do that. I don't know. I'm glad I changed to uh, studio arts because it was more hands on and less computers. the The people I know that graduate with graphic design, I mean, they work for like graphic design companies and they make wedding brochures and they make advertising and they make right branding. catalogs. Yeah, they make magazines, all sorts of stuff, stuff like that. It's never ending, which is good for your creative process, but it's not not what i would want to do i want to do more hands-on stuff so switching to the studio arts was better because it was like you're going to take ceramics so you're actually making like coffee cups i made a lot of ashtrays growing up i
1: remember when you went through that phase yeah i was in the house and they were like awesome you want to you, you want a mug yeah <laughs> i was like no Clint, i don't need a mug and you that had like was, seven in your hand it was yeah, like yeah
0: that was the thing i was like. You have to make a bunch Before you get good So It was like Alright Clint Make Just trying to 50, them off On the eight yeah, Just get
1: some spirits And stuff
0: Yeah They were just like You need to make 25 coffee cups Before the two weeks Is over So <laughs> I had 25 coffee cups That were trash Or basically ashtrays <laughs> That I'd give away Or sell for a dollar Or whatever And eventually They got better So that was a good thing And you had to make All sorts of different Ceramic Um uh, you know use tools like teapots and uh, plates and bowls and all this stuff but no that was a good class and then we had sculpture and I guess when you first get in you have to take all these entry level classes like drawing and painting and ceramics and all these like entry level ones kind of figure out what you want to do and a lot of them were uh, like creativity based so we had like create hey it was it was called Imagination and creativity Which was all brainstorming Which was actually really helpful Because I I honestly thought I became way more creative Through that process It was like
1: Well I, you were always a creative guy in high school Like you were Did you take AP art? Yeah I did Yeah that's what I thought
0: Yeah And that was honestly my favorite class We had a good art teacher Old Jay Hoversland He was uh, an ex-football player And the football coach And like a man's man Where did he play football? He played for Dickinson, and then he transferred to Bozeman. And I don't think he really? played in Bozeman, but he traveled. He went to like three different schools. Right. But I'm not exactly sure. They're where he actually
1: Jay and Brittany. I would like to have them on. Yeah. No, that would be good. Brittany actually, she just large yeah. part of my childhood. Really. Yeah. And then just Jay too. I've always yeah. had some kind of respect for him and yeah. stuff like that. But anyways.
0: But he was he was a good example for. A, artist because you think of like this little feminine guy that's talking about <laughs> his feelings and jay would come into the cl- room clapping and yelling and talking about we're gonna learn about van Gogh today we're gonna learn today you know and, and six five 10, yeah 42 or something. pumped up and a man's man and i was like all right like you don't have to be a little feminine male to be an artist so that was good to see but uh when i was going in college we went through the uh like prerequisites for all the art classes or whatever I don't know I think the the sculpture stuff I really liked because there was all these different mediums you could work with and it was the 3D was definitely more interesting to me because I can draw a little bit but it wasn't like I was going to make a living being a pencil drawer or (laughs) painter or anything because I I took painting classes and it was fun but that really wasn't my thing so I kind of focused more on the uh, sculpture side of it Um, but yeah what a
1: I guess I got one question what uh what kind of midlife crisis did you go through
0: it was it was mainly so I remember sitting there and I was like for probably six months I was like do I want to have a secure job going home and ranching or working at a bank with an egg business degree or do I be happy and I was like going back and forth on, on all of this and I was like well if I go home like eventually I'll be in charge of the ranch and but I've got three brothers. Right, and you gotta compete even, with them. Yeah, and I was like, even if I do become in charge, would I be happy? And I was like, Well, probably not. I don't really want to live there and do that kind of work. But it yeah, it just basically boiled down to I was like, if I graduate in a year, like I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna have a struggle finding a wife and I don't know. I was just like, I don't wanna don't wanna be done. <laughs> I don't wanna be uh Living in Ecola for the next sixty years, and I was like, I if I have a time to be risky with my life, it's right now. And finding finding what I really want to do was important to me. So that was pretty much the whole midlife crisis. I was like, it's kind of like I guess when you're older, where it's like you have all this responsibility and everything, and it's hard to change careers. But when you're younger, you're like, this is the best time to change. There's no responsibility. You have nothing attached to. Yeah. So I was like, "Who cares? Like, if I go get an art degree and then I don't use it, it's like I'm like, it sounds bad, but learning the stuff they were offering for egg business, it was there were some things I definitely didn't know, but listening to my dad talk, I was like, right, nice.
1: You could go to any rancher, yep, anywhere probably, and learn pretty close to not if more.
0: Yep, yeah, you're probably not gonna. They're probably not gonna know the exact science of a lot of things, right. but it's like. You don't need that to have it successful. They'll know it works. Yeah. They, they're they going to teach you more about why the business works. A bit. And I really wasn't getting that through the egg department at that point. But if I would have stuck around, like, the last year supposedly is more tailored towards that. But, um, yeah, I just didn't see a value in staying in that uh, degree.
1: Did you always want to do something, I guess you want to call it creative?
0: Yeah, I think so. I remember being a little kid and pa- painting or whatever, my parents being really uh, supportive of that. And I was like, I knew I was always like good at you it. You
1: enjoyed and, painting as a kid? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember <laughs> being like five years old. My mom gave me like a bucket of paint. I'd be like, all right, paint something on this old piece of wood, you know, outside or whatever. Right. And I'd have a good time with it. And um, I do a lot of drawing as a little kid. And yeah, when I got into high school, I mean, they had all the different classes you could take. And I don't know, kind of let it out at that point. So. Yeah, that's oh, that all I remember. You
1: were always—I mean, you were always in Hovey's classroom doing something with either your projects you're on or doing something with Hove mm-hmm. or creating something new. And I was like, okay, so he doesn't go to any other class except art. No, so that's cool. No,
0: pretty much when you have a <laughs> when you have library study hall and you have honor study hall, you could go to any class you wanted. So I was in there like at least two periods a day, and I—I I think I even had one class where it was like, yeah, if it's shop, you can just. You know work on shop stuff or i was like well oh, i'm gonna go work on Ho with hove i gotta go uh design this new thing i'm gonna make it a <laughs> shop And i was like painting the ceiling tiles or something you know
1: but that was kind of a cool thing he did with that though
0: yeah no it, they kind of ran out of space on the walls yeah is what it was so he's like well mason melby he was the first guy to do it and he did the um i think it was like michigan state or uh, i Mizzoula. remember that yep. yeah and we're like what the heck like this guy painted on the ceiling and then every, it was, like, the coolest thing to do for yeah. probably three or four years. Yeah. So half of this room got filled up on the ceiling. <laughs> it was every sports team and every logo. And, yeah, so that was fun. But um,
1: So always wanted to do it. Yep. Got to that point. So now you're – I guess you're pretty dead set in your <laughs> degree, I guess, from Bozeman at that point.
0: Yeah. No, I didn't know what I wanted to do It was the main thing. I was like, I'm – I kind of – thought I should do the bronze casting of, like, Western art. Kind of be like a Charlie Russell type guy.
1: So give us a timeline there. You went three years, business, egg.
0: Yeah, like two some. and a half, three-ish years, and I switched to animal science for, like, a semester. And then probably after the three years, I was like, I'm going to switch to sculpture or art in general. How long did that take you? Um, So I did I did some summer classes, too, actually, when I was switching because they're, like, all right, this the way this is set up each year is a prerequisite for the next year, so you're supposed to be here for four years, but right. if you take the uh freshman classes during the summer, you can catch up, so you're like technically a sophomore when you start, so I had three years left after three years, so I was in there for six years total, and it uh it all worked out i mean i had uh, had to do i don't remember what it was it was like some art class during the summer and i to take an accounting class during the summer and a web design and whatnot but accounting was that just like a general studies class so they also told me they're like you are going to have some semesters that you're not going to have 15 credits so you should get a certificate in entrepreneurship and that was one of the things was they make those Yeah, so you can take 15 credits, which is essentially one semester, but I split it up over three years, where it's each semester you take an entrepreneurial class. So the first one that I took was accounting, and then you take intro to entrepreneurship, and you have to make a product, and you have to sell it, and go through the whole thing. And then there were some other classes like business, finance, and some other ones. But it was all good things to learn, for sure. I mean, learning about uh, spreadsheets and uh Inputs versus outputs and keeping everything equal and learning about right. taxes and whatnot. I so. think,
1: yeah, I think everybody should honestly probably take an accounting class. I'm not saying that they teach it right, but just a, almost a general knowledge of numbers in money form.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people get that in college. Like, no. If you take a business degree, yeah, you're going to get quite a bit of that, but like for the art kids I was like if all of you want to be your own uh business like you should definitely learn the business side of it because that was what everyone was lacking everyone was like I like painting so I'm gonna take painting classes it's like all right but what are you gonna do like (laughs) if if you get an art degree like you have to make money doing art right there's kind
1: of a lot of overhead with art because you're creating all the art without anybody really paying for it you're making it with your own money
0: yeah and if you uh if all you ever want to do is just paint on the weekends like get a business degree and work at you know some some desk job and then paint on the weekends and have good have a good time with it but right if you actually want to have your own business and make money off of it then you need to learn the business aspect of it that was the problem with a lot of kids in the art school was like a lot of them that figured it out was they were just like oh i'm gonna be a art teacher so I can do all my stuff in the summer and the weekends yeah. and help the kids and have a steady job. But if you actually want to be just, I'm going to go out and do this, you know, uh, all week, every week and make all my money off of that, you need some business. Did you ever aspects. think
1: about being an art teacher?
0: No, I honestly never did. I, <laughs> I was never big into it. I mean, we had a good one in high school, but I was like, eh,
1: no, I don't. Yeah, it's kind of a different world. Yeah. You really, yeah. honestly, you really probably don't
0: have as much creative... Mm -hmm. ability it's definitely hedging your bets on the uh, art world because like you could be an art teacher and make it big you know have shows and you know sell a bunch of stuff whatever but if you're if you're all in to it it's way faster and you're definitely gonna get discovered quicker than being an art teacher it's like i'm not gonna say the people that wanted to be an artist that failed are teachers now but a lot of the (laughs) A lot of the professors that I had at uh school were they tried the whole entrepreneurial yeah, A art lot of thing them were very successful being their own artist, but I think a lot of them found security in being a professor at a university and they were just like, you know, I can I can make seventy grand a year being a professor and then make my own stuff during the summer. But like most of them were just like, Yeah, I don't like the insecurity of income.
1: Right. That's so what was thing. what was your timeline doing that degree? Art? Yeah,
0: yeah, it was uh, it was three years, and I got a four year degree squeezed down into one because of summer classes, and right. I had to do some some persuading on some of the advisors <laughs> and whatnot to let me take classes that I wasn't supposed to take. But yeah, I squeezed into three years, so I was two years overdue, which was actually really fun for being the the old man in a fraternity. I mean, I was
1: yeah, you were at hoo ha.
0: Yeah, no, it was a good time. I uh, when all my friends. That where my age graduated i was like i have i'm not supposed to be here and i have two years just to dick around and have a good time so (laughs) that definitely helps my uh my thought process on being in college i was like i'm gonna have the most fun i'm gonna get the most stuff done i can but
1: what was uh
0: i'm playing with house money at this point
1: what was what was your biggest takeaway from college
0: Ooh, uh just growing up was probably like the biggest thing i'd say there's uh there's a lot to be said about just being away from your parents and being responsible on your own time. And the thing with college is no one is forcing you to be there. And if they are, you're not going to want to do it. Right. So it's like, it's all on you. And if you want to be there and you want to go to class, you'll go, but you don't have to. I mean, you can try to skate by by not going to class and go into the tests and studying or whatever. And some people could do it, but that wasn't me. I was like, I had to go to every class. So just self-discipline and, Probably the, a lot of social skills, honestly, is something that people don't really think about when they say college isn't worth it. But That's kind of a big thing with the frat, too. Yeah, learning how to socialize with people in general was such a big deal. You know, making friends and learning how to be professional while, you know, drinking or just being yeah. an adult around other adults in any situation was big. You know, had to tie a tie. Had, a, had, a be, had to be an <laughs> Had ability. to tie a was, few of those in your
1: Six years there
0: yeah, yeah we had to dress up in a suit And full formal for all the meetings So uh,
3: was I, um,
1: That's honestly the good part That I took away from the frat too Is just the discipline about it I mean there was people I mean you had to pay your bills You had to clean different areas of the frat house Or you were fine And you had to pay more bills basically And you had mm-hmm. full formal every week you showed up in full formal, or else there was repercussions for that. Yep.
0: Yeah, and also the connections you make after college right. too. It's like my good buddies. I mean, I'm living at my little brother's house in the fraternity. You know, I'm living not in, actual little brother, but yeah, in like fraternity like, like, terms. In yeah. fraternity terms, I was like his mentor when he came in. But he bought a house in Belgrade, and now Austin lives here. And um, it uh, all the connections you make. I mean, lots of people find jobs just because it sounds bad but it's like oh my dad's a banker like do you want to be a banker and they're like yeah no we'll get you set up for an internship or something and it's like there's all these connections you make off of it which is pretty valuable just you know meeting the people that you want to be like is uh is pretty valuable so so that takes us to after college how'd you meet jim yeah so we actually had a mutual friend who was uh the same age as my boss now He's about seventy four or so. But he was the groundskeeper for the fraternity we were in. And I was out there helping him plant tulips in like February or something. <laughs> I was like That's good freeze, planting time. Yeah, freezing. He's like, You better get these in before they, you know, before the thaw oh. happens and speaking of that, on a different
1: subject. Did you do you guys do much farming?
0: No. No, not on our ranch. I again. didn't think so. I mean we we used to. We used to put up quite a bit of hay, but my dad was like, you uh you can save some money most years just by buying it when well, the grand scheme of things when hay's you know 150 bucks a ton it's not you you should make your own hay but if it's 80 bucks i mean it's kind of a wash and you lose all your time and all right. the headache and everything so on the years hay's not hay is not expensive it's better just to let somebody else do it but right it uh, but anyway um how i met my boss right as of now i was planting some tulips or whatever and i was telling him about what i wanted to do and he's like well there's this guy i went to college with who lives in belgrade who does the same thing so you need to meet him And i was like all right so we drove out there one day and my boss jim was just like i yeah i could use your help if you want to start on monday so that was my last semester of college so i started working for him in probably april and then i had about a month left of school and after that i kept working for him and full-time uh, started the day after graduation and after working for him quite a while working on his stuff i he kind of ran out of a few things to do for me one day so he's like if you want to make your own stuff you can so i started doing that and it's kind of just taking off from there and i still work for jim probably i don't know maybe 20 hours a month or so just to like help him doing whatever it is you know so he's 74 so it's like can you cut up all these pipes i need 25 pipes that are 30 inches long and he does (laughs) not want to do it so i was like that's perfectly fine yeah i'll do that so i i definitely want somebody like that eventually you know somebody's there and he's supporting all the all the art i'm making but not right um not doing the super artistic stuff so what uh
1: do you plan on doing this forever yeah, no. is kind of a big word, but.
0: Yeah, no. Growing up, I was like, oh, you're going to be a starving artist or whatever, and it's like not feasible to be an artist, and that's what everybody says or whatever, but watching him work for two years, I mean, the guy's made all sorts of money. I mean, he sells sculptures for tens of thousands of dollars, and he's got really good margins on, you know, all the inputs and the time and everything, and it's like he makes hundreds of thousands of dollars each year. And yeah like all right maybe you'll we'll be able to actually do this and each each year is different obviously some years are more lean than others but I was like he definitely gave me hope for um, you know this is a possibility that you can actually do it and through him I've met quite a few successful artists you know there's uh, some fairly famous ones like uh, Deborah Butterfield she lives in Bozeman and she does these driftwood horses is the best way i could describe oh. them but she finds driftwood and makes horses out of them and then she casts them in bronze and she sells one of them a life-size horse for you know four hundred thousand dollars and br- bronzes I mean not ridiculous but. yeah but it's she's very famous and it's a little different just because there's so much input costs on casting bronze but it's like you can be very successful as an artist and I never really thought that was possible until I met Jim
1: So, have you ever asked Jim, like, how he got his branding and name out?
0: Uh, It's just been put in the work for 50 years. Just consistency. Yeah. Yeah, Every time you put something out into the public, somebody will ask, "But where would you get that? Like, I'd like something like that. Yeah, and eventually over
1: 50 years, you're going to develop a fan base or customers or whatever you want to call it. Yeah,
0: people know where he's at. Like, he's got stuff all over Bozeman, like the Elk at First Interstate Bank across from uh, the mall and – He's got the geese in the airport in Bozeman, and he's got he's got one at a park downtown. That's uh, I can't remember if it's Story or John Bozeman, but he's got stuff in uh, Ennis, Montana. He's got if you've ever been downtown Ennis, there's a bear with a pack team, and the horses see the bear, but the guy on the horse doesn't. And (laughs) there's like a little cub running away, and um, he's got stuff in Japan and all over the world pretty much at this point so he's that's quite
1: a guy to be basically apprenticed under
0: yeah no he's he's taught me a lot taught me a lot of what to do and what not to do he's been screwed over a few times so wow. he's like 50 years of art making yeah. i'm sure there's little yeah there's a of days in there yeah there's lots of times where people are just like oh yeah no, i don't want this and they take it and there the check bounces or whatever it is it's like <laughs> all right don't let the art leave the shop before you get paid and it's in the bank you know or have a contract or if you're going to rent something to somebody make sure it's yeah make sure all your ducks are in a row yeah make sure there's a paper trail for everything so sure that was definitely good to see um he's taught me a lot of little techniques and how to do some of the things he's done so and he's come up with quite a few different things on his own like he used to make a lot of birds so making feathers was a big part of it and he showed me this technique on how to do it metal feathers right yeah metal feathers so it um yeah eventually you could look at it long enough and figure out maybe how he did it but just having him you know walk me through it was a big thing
1: yeah that's like i said that's quite an apprenticeship to get under right out of college honestly Mm -hmm. i can't imagine there's quite i can't imagine there's very many people at all that come right out of college as with an artist degree and just go right into making stuff.
0: Yeah, I googled it one morning actually cuz I didn't want to get up, but it was 9% of, oh my uh, goodness. of kids that get art. Did they stu- have a number
1: on how many kids that was? Like how many no, kids?
0: I I never saw that number, but it was 9% of kids that graduate with an art degree get an art job. And I was like, all right, 91% of people don't get to get up and do what they want to do. So I better I right. better get up right now, you know. So that was that a is a and very like, large majority. Yeah. Most, I mean, the stereotype exists for a reason because, you know, you're going to get an art degree and you're going to work at McDonald's. <laughs> and I haven't seen anybody working at McDonald's that I went to college with, but there's a few that work that type of job. And right. it's like they go to work and they um, they go home and they make their stuff and eventually they're, you know, hopefully they are going to make it and they figure out what they want to do and they figure out what's something interesting that people want to buy. But so your plan just
1: rougher. is then, I would assume, put your head down and consistently work at it.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think if I just keep doing it, and I'm making a living off of it for sure right now. But I'd like to expand and make more things each year, and right more I than think, a living. Yeah, I think I can if I can sell two or three big things a year, and um, yeah, I definitely think it's a, a sustainable thing for a long time.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good. I, like you said, nine percent of people only get to do it, and I can't imagine that many people say they get to do it for their life. Like do it as a yep. job by themselves and not work for someone else. It's mm-hmm. not like that's yeah, that's huge.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, the art department used to be considered an arts and crafts <laughs> degree back in like the seventies, and that's what it was. I mean, if you went to school and you wanted to get a MRS degree, you wanted to find a wife or a husband. It uh, was like, wow, I'm going to learn how to make quilts or I'm going to learn how to make coffee cups or whatever. And it's like, you can you can do really well doing that. I follow people on the internet that uh, make a good living doing that, but they're 100% in. And I think that right. was one thing I learned from college was if you're going to do it, you got to do it. I mean, there's no, nobody has ever. There's no suc- three quarters
1: of the way. There's no halfway. There's yep. no 90% of the way. It's 110%. Yeah. There's,
0: there's no one who has ever waited to be discovered that it worked out for right it's like you have to like right now being 26 it's like you have no responsibilities if you're 40 and you want to become a world famous painter it's like it's a little tough. it's a little i mean you might have 20 more years of experience but giving up all the security of a good job or whatever it's like right if you're going to take risks i would suggest doing them um, in your early 20s yeah sure. you get time to recover yeah and I don't have a plan B, which I think is honestly the right way of doing it, because if you have an out, when things get tough, you're going to run to it. Yeah, you just – You know, if I was like, well, if things don't work out, I'm going to run back to the ranch and be a cowboy forever. It's like I – the first time things get hard, I'd consider it. I'm just like, no, it's not an option. So no, you're not quitting. No. I'm in it. In it to win, huh?
1: Huh, so that puts us pretty much where we're at now.
0: Yeah, no, I've been working for Jim for about two years, and it's going good, and who knows what will happen with him. He's 74, so he uh, he wants to work until he can't anymore, so I'm just out there working at his place and living. Which, doing
1: that, he might live forever.
0: Yeah, and I think slowly he's going to get more and more help, um, where it's he's going to do the application of the art, it, like the artistic parts of it. Like, right. he's not going to make the hooves for a Buffalo. It's going to be like, (laughs) all right, those look good. like, give them here so I can weld them on. Yeah. And he's been doing everything for 50 years. So I, you know, I can't blame him for that. Like I'll definitely want that when I'm his age. So
1: what about Maddie? Ooh, I've got a
0: girlfriend named Maddie Brock. (laughs) I'm sure she'll listen to this. Hi Maddie. Uh, she's a very sweet girl, very smart. Um,
1: because, I mean, I, to me, I think having a good life, uh, good life means a lot. I mean, happy life. We'll go with that. Yep. I think it's even better when you have someone by your side that you are completely invested in. Just like we talked about, you can't be 90% invested in You can't be 75%. You have to be 110% invested mm-hmm. in Yep, for sure. But I think that, like, having someone like that makes your life a hundred times better
0: oh yeah yeah and she's she's a fellow artist so she gets it she does photography and yeah she's very supportive and she's down for being an artist wife and uh she's she's excited about it so if she was constantly pushing back on my dreams and all that stuff i'd i'd definitely question it more you know it's it's difficult yeah i don't think if you've got a woman in your life that's kicking back at your dreams, it's like I don't really know if that's the best support system right. you're going to want to have. Because my big thing when looking for a wife, it's like, can you drink coffee with them when you're 50? And you're both fat and ugly, and you've got Yeah, bills, you both don't care. you are both got bills, and you've got kids running around screaming, and it's like, all right, are you actually going to enjoy hanging out with this person? And I definitely do, and I can definitely see that happening. So, well, that's
1: fun, I guess. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's very deep, but uh,
1: no, I think I think that not only goes for like your significant other in your life, but it goes for your friend group too. It's Mm
2: -hmm. you gotta
1: have people that support you. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna be there's I guess there's a lot of quotes that say like you're you are the average
0: of your top five friends. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, if you're if you're constantly getting pushback from all your friends. It's it's not gonna not gonna work out. You're gonna slowly doubt yourself and yeah. you're never gonna yeah, never reach what you want to do. You never hit
1: your goals, yeah. you never hit your potential. Yep. Kind of just pretty much you coast.
0: Yep. Yeah, and it's like I can't remember who's talking about it, but they're like if you hang out with people that only talk about money, eventually you're gonna know stuff about money. Right. It's just like football or basketball or whatever it is. It's like our one roommate Tori he likes hockey, but the rest of us like football <laughs> and he didn't know anything about football, but he hangs out with people that know football enough. He can have a conversation at Thanksgiving with his, you know, father-in-law or whatever. And he's like, thank you guys. Cause that's what you guys talk about. <laughs> and it's the same thing with like money or whatever it is where it's, if you hang out with people that are successful, like eventually you are going to be successful. And I think that's a big thing surrounding surround yourself with motivated individuals yeah it's
1: a weird deal that's kind of i'm that's kind of what happened to me because a lot of when i was not up here a lot of the time i'd be at the bar drinking and gambling Mm -hmm. and i mean i'm not saying it's fulfilling it might be for some people but i would say a majority of people you kind of question what is like what's going on like why am i not moving or feel like i'm moving ahead in life yep and And then i guess i come up here and you guys like you're doing art stuff. Tori's looking for another house or trying yeah. to expand on his commission deal with buying the, more cars. Yeah, Toro or yeah,
0: whatever. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's I think it's a very important thing. You know, if you just hang out with people that hang out at the bar, it's like what do you like? they are obviously not enjoying your day to day. Like, I know some people. Right, like, it's almost back it's home, like a distraction. Yeah, it's it's escape from reality. It's like, well, I'm gonna work and I'm not gonna like my job for. Ten hours of the day, but at least I get to go and gamble for an hour. Yeah, it's like the problem with the small towns, I think, and that goes back to mental health. There's not a lot of fun social things to do that don't involve drinking, and it's like, not really. If you're at the bar, (laughs) that's where all your friends are, and there's gambling machines and there's women, and it's like, yeah, you're either
1: you're either working or you're doing some kind of drinking activity.
0: Yep. So that's that's one of the things I have about mental health and ranching is like if you if you're out there and alone and all your friends are at the bar it's like you got to find something fun to do that isn't uh, a negative aspect to your life like obviously everything in moderation but right like i'm not saying drinking's bad and i'm not saying gambling's that bad I like you said moderation yep and like join the the basketball old man beer league of (laughs) basketball or take up hunting or take up whatever it is but don't don't just hang out at the bar i think that's one of the worst things you can do like going out friday night's fine but if you go to the bar after work every day all day you're gonna end up a little bar fly and right nobody nobody thinks very highly of those guys i guess not really it's tough to yeah and it's it, it's really I mean,
1: sad yeah doing that It. i mean it's tough to set legitimate goals mm-hmm. it's tough to st- have legitimate relationships, friendships, all that stuff. I mean, you might still have them, of course. I mean, you have them with the people at the bar, but it's like if you really look to have. Yeah, I know. I just seen it.
0: We're watching the uh, L. A. Chargers Jags game right now, and it looked like they missed the field goal, but it's saying they, uh, it's saying they made it. The Jaguars are freaking out like they well there's it. a penalty. Oh, yeah, I no, They just but they ran declined it up. They it, just so won by one point. Final. Probably offsides. And Game point right there. 30-31. Jaguars beat the Chargers. Twenty, twenty-three playoffs right there. First time the Jags have won in a long time. Good for the Jags. Yeah, good for them. Poor Chargers. Huge comeback, too. They were down by what? 27-20. 27. No, 20 times zero. 27-20. Yeah. I was like, it was wicked.
1: Yeah, it was a lot.
0: Yeah. How? Yeah. Was, do you want to talk about uh, your growing up and all that stuff, or do you want to? I don't.
1: I honestly, I don't know how I want to bring that up. Yeah. Like it's a weird deal because I'm trying to do a podcast about other people.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe save it for a couple more. But it's people like, uh, listen to a few more episodes.
1: <laughs> I, I've thought about that a little bit. It's like, I mean. Being the host of a podcast, never really done it. First one, I don't really know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. I do want to do it. Like, I enjoy having these conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And it, it honestly, it's, it almost feels like it's forcing me to have these conversations, like to be able to have deep conversations about life, about lessons, about people growing up, about the stories, basically of all of that. And it just, I don't know. I day in and day out consistently list the podcasts. A lot of them about war. A lot of them about stories about people. But it's just they all go back to their childhoods. Mm-hmm. They go back how they grew up, how they got to where they were. And uh, it, it just connects to me. So I, I I thought about that. I don't know how I'm supposed to bring my story up, I guess. but
0: mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll do one with uh, both the roommates here. Maybe when Cold Stump gets here. He's coming in February, isn't he? Yeah, it's coming out pretty soon. I don't know when exactly he's showing up, but we're getting a, th- a third roommate here pretty soon. He's doing the horseshoeing school in Bozeman, so. But, anyway.
1: Hold on, put your, um, go closer to the mic a little bit. Speak into it.
0: Yeah, right here. Austin's working on the difficulties technical difficulties still right?
1: have no idea what I'm doing mm-hmm. so I don't know it's picking mine up pretty good I don't I think yours we'll listen back to it a little bit see if it can talk yeah again. yeah so that was Clint Lester's life I guess we were getting into a spiel about <laughs> setting goals and not going to the bar 24-7 but
0: yeah no, it's just tough in the small towns though because it's like you know you've got your five group of friends and four right. of them are at the bar every night and it's like wow i guess i'll go there and have a drink and eat supper and it's like it's it's expensive going out every night a little it's bit like, you got to find fun things to do and the problem is most fun things are illegal <laughs> that are you Pretty to much make fun you know oh, we didn't
1: even touch on spotlighting
0: yeah I was like if you go shoot <laughs> shoot rabbits in the dark i mean I don't I don't even know if that's legal I think it's illegal to shoot vermin in the dark but yeah yeah you obviously can't go hunting in the dark but no
1: Never done that before.
0: but Yeah, Austin and I used to go out to his place, and I mean, there was probably three or four years there where you had an infestation of jackrabbits. We
1: really took a yeah, toll you, on you, the rabbits.
0: You guys were the the <laughs> dominant predator around there for sure.
1: It was, uh, we had, there was one night that it was just Clint and I, we took a gator out, it's side by side, but. Clint, I was just driving around the field, just had her pinned, and Clint just shotgun out the window yeah. and everything, that
0: moved. Oh, yeah. I know we just run up on these little rabbits and hit them with the shotgun, and by the time you turned around to see if you hit it, you'd see another rabbit, and you'd just <laughs> ha towards that. I and think, it was fun as hell.
1: I think we were only out there for, like, an hour and a half, and we got, like, 14 of them or something. Oh, yeah.
0: No, and when I was out there, we never saw anything other than rabbits, but you guys got, like, coyotes and stuff, yep. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's... That's the one thing that sucks that I moved up here in August and, I guess, in Belgrade. And for the first time in years, we actually got snow. Oh, back home. And that's what we do is chase coyotes. Yeah. So.
0: How do you hunt coyotes on a snowmobile? Do you just see them and chase them down and shoot them? Yeah, so you got a
1: foot of snow, right? And coyotes can't really run in snow. They don't have the whole web feed or whatever, that like snowshoes or whatever Long you want to call them. Yeah. So they just kind of prance around and hope they can get away but, but we're on snowbills so.
0: Yeah, they <laughs> you throw open all the gates in the fall when no, all the cows usually are in. You just go
1: over the fences. Really? Yeah, there's I mean, enough snow you can just hit the crick. Just go over the fence. Damn. So you don't you don't even open anything. You just that's the, the that's the cool thing about eastern Montana. None of the ranchers care.
0: Yeah, there's just big snowdrifts everywhere. All the cows there.
1: are in one spot usually by the house. So you just stay away from the houses. Yeah,
0: And you just fly. Yeah, go jump off a snowbank. That was one thing my dad always joked about. He's was like, yeah, we got two inches of snow, but six foot of wind. So there's <laughs> s- six foot of snowbanks everywhere, but most of the bound- ground is bare. So. <laughs> six
1: foot of wind, that's a good analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we just run them over. Chase them down, run them over. If they don't die, we carry pistols on our handlebars and
0: holsters. Oh.
1: Just get off and shoot them and...
0: Do you ever uh, tan the hides or anything Anything like that?
1: Yeah, so we used to. That when, I think it was three years ago, or something like three or four years ago anyways, they were worth $75 a hide. Really? Yeah. So you get 12 of them. That was the most we ever got in a day was 12. I don't know how much money that is. Pull my calculator up
0: right now. It'd be like. But it was. 925 bucks or something like that.
1: 900 exact. 900,
0: yeah. That's a pretty good day. I mean, it it sucks getting coyotes and tanning them and stuff, but... You can pay for your your
1: fuel and the food.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you could have a full day. It's basically free fun. Free fun. So you got to go find find fun out there. (laughs) And that was a good thing, too, like growing up was there wasn't nightlife and there wasn't amusement parks and there wasn't anything like that, so it's like... All right, go play yeah. in the pond for Closest McDonald's afternoon. for
1: me was 82 miles away.
0: Yep. Yeah, everywhere was at least an hour away. Yep. Which was, it was good growing up, because I remember watching, like, a, uh, you know, Burger King or Wendy's commercial, and it was like, oh, the new sandwich. And I was like, well, you know, next, in the next three weeks when we go to Miles City, yeah, it's we'll, like, we'll go get the new sandwich. Like I'll be like, next Thanksgiving, we'll get it. Yep. So, that was honestly good for, like, patience and all that stuff, but nowadays living in a bigger city, it's like, oh, the Arby's has a new steak sandwich. Like I'm gonna go try that tomorrow. Do you whatever. like fast food?
1: Yeah, I I shouldn't I mean obviously at times everybody does, but
0: Yeah, I think uh honestly I think fast food's gotten a lot better like growing up. Like maybe really? maybe I wasn't exposed to it very much as a kid, but it's like the quality of fast food I think has and gotten I think if better. you
1: pick the right fast food restaurants. Yeah.
0: No, like a uh, a uh, Big Mac is the same as it always was, but like you start venturing into like Arby's or Burger King or whatever it is, it's like they've got some some new things that aren't just the the general deal. Austin's having PTSD Whoa. over here. I think a ghost just fucked me in the butt. Oh. You ever had any ghost experiences? Sadly not. Really? You never had any
1: so my uh my father, they he was a sibling of six, right? Six or five brothers and sisters, so six kids. Mm-hmm. And the parents were gone. So they built the house on the ranch in the 1970s, I think. Mm. When my father was 12, he helped it. my grandfather build it. And I guess they were, my his mother and father were in town or something. And all the kids were playing pool downstairs. And they heard... Someone opened the front door, walked through the porch, upstairs, into the bathroom upstairs. Shut the door, open the door, then nothing. Wow. They went up, checked everything out. No one was there.
0: Really, there's too many people have those stories to believe they're not real. I've had two, I guess, in the last year. Really, I'm starting to have like All more right, paranormal up. stuff.
1: What uh? Did you say Maddie was gonna be would be willing to do this?
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, Maddie's, Maddie's been exposed to all sorts of ghosts and spirits and whatnot, but the first time I had it happen Maddie, was, if
1: you listen to this, you're on the podcast, so...
0: Yeah, she's coming over here eventually, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> anyway, the first first time I had anything happen that I couldn't explain, it was uh, I was working in the shop this summer, and I was working away, had my earplugs in, the radio was off because I had my earplugs in, and I was cutting on a chop saw which is a big thing that you, you know, cut metal or whatever. And I'd moved it, and I was cutting, and then all of a sudden I heard this, like, like, two syllables, started with a C, and ended with, like, an O-N. And it was, like, very distinguished, so I was like, oh, like, somebody's here. Like, I'm, you know, looking over this thing, and I need to look around, and there was just nobody there. And I was like, that was weird. Maybe I'm (laughs) playing tricks on myself or whatever, something random happened. But then I looked, and I was about... A quarter inch away from cutting through the cord on the plasma or on the chop saw, and it was like somebody said something right before I was going to cut through. Because if I cut through it, it would bind up and probably cut it and wreck the whole machine. But I was like, I looked around and I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and went back to work. And I don't know what it was, but I was like, that's very random and good coincidence. And it was right before I was going to mess a bunch of stuff up and somebody stopped me. But
2: what
1: about and the other one?
0: The other time was probably two weeks ago, honestly, and it was. Really. I don't know what it was like. The sleep paralysis, is uh, what I'm kind of blaming it on. But how
1: many times you had that? Never. Really? Never had. Sleep I've never paralysis. had it either. I'm kind of paranoid about it, but
0: yeah, and I, I, I didn't like. I've always been interested in like astral traveling <laughs> and all this stuff. Like when you're dreaming, you can lucid dream or whatever. But I've never done anything because I knew that kind of opens the door for it. But I was staying at my. Uh, girlfriend's house and it's very haunted like she's you know always have here what yeah she's like always hearing are you bringing demons into this house no i don't i'm not dragging with me but this was at her house is she she, bringing demons into this house she's got she's got 45 (laughs) stories about ghosts and people talking and seeing people and all sorts of we're gonna have to dive into that yeah she's she's got all sorts of stories but uh for me i was I was asleep, and I was waking up and going back to sleep. Was she and, in the bed with you yeah, and uh I woke up so and maybe it was her demon could have been, but uh she doesn't believe in like bad demons, I guess she was thinking it was more was like interdimensional people of some kind, but well that's- basically what happened was I was laying there on my back, and I woke up, and I was like tied down like somebody was pushing on the sheets on both sides, and I could see them, and they were, like, shadow, dark figures, and I kept having this face flash in front of me that was, like, an alien, like, the very, Like, um, okay, so, like,
1: the little green aliens, like, short, big head, No, so they
0: were actually, like, tall and skinny and dark, and there was one in the corner that was looking at me. Were they just,
1: like, shadows, no face? Yeah, they were, like, shadows. Was there features?
0: Yeah, so there was, like the outline of like a tall, slender person. Okay. And there was two of them like holding the sheets down and the and the what? blankets and I couldn't move and I was freaking out. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, and it was in her room and I was looking, like I was awake. Maybe I was sleep paralysis or something. My body was asleep, but I was freaking out and I couldn't move. And then uh, the they kept having this like face that was in my face and it was probably, you know, a foot away, but it was this alien and it was big eyes, you know Egg shaped head And it was like Staring at me Oh
1: so Generic alien Generic Tall alien slender stuff. Generic alien face dude And
0: it was In my face And was trying to Tell me something Of some kind But then I was like No 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 this Did you real.
1: ever feel At any point Like in harm
0: Oh uh, yeah I was freaking out I was like I couldn't move so, Could you speak No I wasn't speaking it's, Like could you uh, move Could you move your head at least No I couldn't Could move. you move your mouth Uh I, I would assume so. you could move
1: okay. your eyes because you could see everything.
0: Yeah. No, I was, like, looking around. It might have been me coming out of a dream or something, but I was like, no, this isn't real. That's freaky. Yeah. It was like, no, this isn't real. This isn't real. And, like, I stopped it in some sort of way. I was like, get out. This is, you know, get out. I'm not not doing this. And then um I guess I, like, closed my eyes and, like, went back to sleep because it stopped. Oh, whoa. And I, like rolled over and went back to sleep and maddie was getting up to go to the airport at like five in the morning and she's like Do you sleep okay and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was like oh like what happened like she was like interested and i was like i'll tell are, you later
1: are those but, did you tell her i would assume you did
0: yeah so i i was like i don't want to talk about it because i was so freaked out and it was slap dark in the room right. it was like five in the morning and i was like i don't want to talk about it so i like went back to sleep and i didn't really even think about it when i first woke up but then she asked me she's like so what were you talking about and then i told her the story and she was like, oh, my God, like, you were having people from, like, other dimensions or sleep paralysis Does, or something was happening. Is
1: that, like, similar to what she experiences?
0: Um. No,
1: she's. Like, the type of people or.
0: No, she hasn't seen anything like that. She's never seen aliens or anything. Um. But she's she, she used to have That's a freak. roommate that was there. And she would have all these experiences of, like, people walking around or people talking. Maybe that house is like a portal. Maybe. I don't know. But it's super old. It's probably 80, 90, hundred years old and there's been all sorts of people living it. But um yeah, they had a dog that lived with him and he would freak out randomly and it um Yep. It's kinda sketchy. There's Are you demons into this house? Right yeah, now. Maddie's seen uh, like people um like in the corner or whatever and I don't know. Just a lot of uh, very spooky stories what, uh, in that house.
1: What is, like, what does she define as the people? Like, what is, what are their characteristics in her eyes?
0: Uh She just sees them as, like, lost souls that uh, haven't gone to the next. To, is there uh, definition? Heaven. Is there. And she just says spirits is what she goes with. She just sees, like,
1: but, shadows or.
0: No, I mean, she's probably seen shadows, but we haven't talked about right. it, I guess. But she's more of, like, there's people, like, people, like, touched her, um. Like grabbed her leg while she's asleep, and there's like no one in there. But she's she's pretty powerful. She like tell people like no one's allowed in this room besides me and Clinton. And then nothing happens. And she used to do that like when she lived there alone. I don't know. She was.
1: Uh, I wonder if she did some kind of like spiritual thing to let you in.
0: Maybe. I don't know what it was, but. But then like, you're getting
1: attacked by interdimensional aliens. Mm-hmm. So it's like.
0: Yeah. No. I'd, I'd definitely get. uh I'd, an eerie feeling when I walk in there. I'm just like, this place is definitely haunted. Oh. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> just a little, like, fight or, fight or flight instinct, I think. But she's, uh, she's had all sorts of crazy stuff happen. She's had, uh, she saw, um, like, people that have died recently that, uh, like, defied people. To her. Like, Like friends uh, or yeah, she's had friends die. Associates or yeah, and then she's had like older people in her life, like family friends, that'll show up and just be like, you know, hey, like I'm doing good. I just wanted you to know, don't worry about me. And she's like, okay. And they leave, and it's like, what (sighs) the fuck? And I'm like, certain people are more prone to it for sure. It's like if you are accepting of that and you can handle it, like a weird vibration. Yeah. I was telling her about my shop experience when, that, whatever it was, talked to me. She's like, that was the best thing you could do, saying thank you. It was, like, acknowledging right, the fact that they were there. Right, don't be like, all like, right, don't, I, don't I, do that again. Yeah, if I freaked out and my great-great-grandfather was like, oh, well, he's not ready for this, that wouldn't have been good. But if it was, you know, if I showed that I'm good with what, uh, having creepy shit happen. What's
1: then, your thoughts on faith? Uh, I grew up in that type of yeah I grew up because I mean this kind of ties into that like if you're if you're feeling eerie feelings or just like seeing figures or there's a lot of things that go into that
0: yeah no I grew up uh, Lutheran and I would still consider myself a Christian haven't been a good one I uh, (laughs) I haven't gone to church in a long time but no I definitely think uh, I've got my issues with Organized religion and like a lot of them are like cults, yeah. How they benefit the people in charge. I'm not a big fan of that. There's been a lot of stories, but I think if you live your life in a good way and you are a generally positive person, you'll be rewarded at the end. And whatever that looks like, I think it's a close description to the Christian heaven, right? Um, I think, I think a lot of people that are spirits you know, they talk a lot about murders and whatnot, but I think if you exit this life in a traumatic experience, you really don't know what's going on. So you don't like know a weird to, way. Yeah. If you get murdered or something, it's like you don't know how to get to the next section and you uh, are stuck in some sort of way. You're holding do you on to think something.
1: that you can like, if you're in that section, do you think you're able to get out or are you just stuck there forever?
0: No, I think you definitely can move out of that. I think you can, uh,
1: it's almost like the spirits or something have to come to terms with what yep. happened.
0: Yeah, and we don't know anything about this, obviously, because we never died before. But <laughs> if you, uh, I think, good point. If you, uh, if you're spirit and you're stuck in purgatory or whatever you want to call it, where it's you're in limbo between the two, I think there's definitely something that they have to do, or something has to happen before they can move on, and. Whatever that may be, it's It's, obviously not easy for them.
1: It's such a weird deal. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, I agree with you with the whole organized religion. It's kind of a... uh,
0: It gives me weird vibes. Yeah, I think the... uh, I grew up in a very, like, positive experience with religion because it was pretty much a pep talk every time you went to church, which was... I don't know. It sounds like it's pretty uncommon, but it was basically we're going to do better this week and we're going to treat each other better and we're going to have a good time. And you're going to.
1: Yeah, that's where that should be.
0: You know, it's never a shameful thing. And it's never like, well, you didn't donate enough or you didn't, uh, you know, do whatever this week or in your life to deserve forgiveness. And it's like the way I went through religion was, um, you know. None of us are perfect, but we're going to try to do better. So this week, I want you to call somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time, and you're going to have a conversation with them, and it's going to help them. It's going to help you, and it um, it was always a positive experience yeah. for sure, which was nice.
1: Yeah, that's a – I mean, last week – so I was back in Baker for a week last week, and I spent quite a bit of time with the Godzorowskis, and they're very faithful people, not so much in the church – sort of fashion but just in the Bible and Jesus and God and stuff like that and Charlie he actually he, he went quite into I guess quite a rant we could call it yeah. he talked for quite a while about it but it was it was weird it was very enlightening yeah I I, I don't know how to describe the feeling I don't know how to
0: well they've been through so much they yeah. find something that supports them
1: right Do you want to even before that? that they were yeah. very religious though yeah but he said it's like, and I agreed with him on it, he was, it would, he went on probably for probably two hours. <laughs> it was a long time. Yeah. But there was, there, there was a couple of Hannah's friends there, and Hannah was there, and Hope, and Katina, and me, and Ben. And so it was, I mean, we were all just listening, pitching in and whatnot. But it was a weird deal, because he just, he believes everything about the Bible. He believes the Bible is the word. Mm-hmm. Everything in there. Yep. And. Which there was another girl kind of like us where we haven't, I don't, I don't, I don't think we probably found our journey yet or we're on the journey towards it. Like to me, any reasonable person has some skepticism about like any good person and reasonable person has skepticism about the Bible and Jesus and God and stuff like that. Cause not everybody experiences, mm-hmm. you know, sp- spirits or gets, held down by creepy weird aliens that don't know what's going on and it's like a lot of people don't have experiences like that yep. so it's very hard to believe it's very hard to understand it's very hard to look at a book that was made 3,000 years ago and be like this this is exactly what happened yep. and then that's what he said he said not that everything that Charlie says is right or correct or is the word but it, it made sense he just said look it's not like he's he was a kid once and reasonable person, and had didn't believe in it completely, mm-hmm. just like all of us and then you go through something like Luke yep. and stuff like that, it's like there's nothing else to believe in, yeah, and so i think I think the journey towards it is just you gotta experience things, and
0: yeah, I think going through what they went through, I mean they lost a son in high school like superstar athlete, all of our good friends. And or he was a really good friend of Austin and mine. And, um, after that, it's like, you kind of push towards or away from it. And I think yeah. there's not, not a whole lot in between. It's like, there's, there's no God because you took my son away. But I think in the other more positive aspect is like, all right, how, how are we going to get through this? And it's like, I definitely think religion is a positive aspect. Uh, like positive outlook on life where it's yeah for you sure know, everything happens for a reason and it creates structure yeah no i don't think um i don't know i think it's a good way of justifying to yourself why things happen the way they do and if you don't have that it's like well are you just living here and it's all meaningless it's like i don't really want to live like that i don't no. wanna, i don't want to have yeah no purpose of and anything. to me it's
1: like to actually have hope that there's something after this it kind of is like okay well something to look forward to
0: yeah. No, I definitely think we were all somewhere before too, like with all yeah. the you know, whatever like you talk about, um there's lots of little kids that have, you know, all these experiences that don't make any sense where it's right. whether they live past lives or are enlightened more than you would think. You know, these little kids just be like, Oh, you know, I remember Grandpa or whatever And it's like (laughs) Are they just making this stuff up Or like do they remember Yeah they'll
1: say Some weird name Or Mm -hmm. something That was like Their Great
0: Oh Maddie's here No Door's locked Door's locked Yeah It was a habit
1: We are back on
0: Welcome Maddie Thank you Yeah, She's got the headphones But no mic. Still working uh, Jesus, on, on multiple w- mics. Woodford Reserve, only the best.
1: Pretty good drinks tonight.
0: Yeah. What were we talking about?
1: Um, we were just talking about the um Oh yeah. And beings, I guess that was part of it. I I've never had beings. I've had weird dreams.
0: Yeah. No, I think most like, of my dreams are weird. Super weird. Like, did you ever have something happen in a dream that came true?
1: Uh, maybe a couple times not that I remember it's so hard to remember dreams
0: yeah no I think uh, if you have a dream about something happening and then it happens that's pretty terrifying yeah like I don't know there's been been a couple experiences did you feed Trey no not yet nice Trey's our dog
1: well yeah Yeah. house dog yep anyways we can cut it off at three hours too so that's 29 minutes left or as soon as you want, probably as soon as we get done with this conversation. Yeah,
0: but uh, no, I've heard way too many ghost stories and way too many supernatural stories to deny it in any form. Like so many people that are credible have these experiences that don't make any sense. Right? Did um, do you ever hear Cole Jensen's story about the little people in the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming? What? So the Native Americans have always had this story about little people, and it's like a accepted tradition of theirs. But anyway, one of his buddies. Was
1: little people on an island somewhere. I know that. Yeah.
0: So, there's, um, so our buddy Cole Jensen has this one friend who used to work for the National Forest, and he didn't even want to tell the story. He was just, oh, you know. I had oh, this, this is like a legit story. This is a legit story. It's like second, secondhand, which, for what it's worth. But the I guy mean, didn't the, want to talk about it, and he didn't want to. The guy's seen little people, is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. So, he didn't want to talk about it. They are just like, you have to, you know, tell us the story. You know, you had something crazy happen. But this guy worked for the National Forest, and his job was to go check on all the cabins during the winter. So he would cross-country ski all over the mountains in Wyoming. And he said one day he was going to go check the farthest cabin. And he was skiing, and it was getting dark, and it, the sun was going down. It wasn't dark yet, but he was you know, cross-country skiing towards his cabin. He could see it out in front. and He looks back, and he sees people skiing behind him, like little people what? like in proportion to Okay, a, so are these adult. legit
1: skis or like branch skis? Like, were they just...
0: No, so, like, he didn't mention anything about the people skiing No details? Yet. Nothing yet, but okay. he was, like... Yeah, these people were, like, skiing behind me and everything. Really thinking think anything of it, they looked like kids, but he <laughs> just, like, kept going, and they kept catching up to him. And then when they got closer, he could see that they were short humans. They weren't kids. They weren't in that proportion. They weren't, like, all body and, like, no so arms. They were full-grown people. Is this, like, backcountry skiing? Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. And he was saying that... Oh, uh, they were in proportion to a normal human, which was super strange. They were like three feet tall, but they had long arms and long legs and like small torsos. So they were what? just shrunk people. And he said, like, if you can think about like, a, like an elf or anything like that, you know, some small human. But they were skiing behind him and he was like, oh shit, like those aren't people. So he started skiing faster and skiing faster and they're catching up to him. And he slowly got to the cabin and got in there and shut the door and was like freaking out. He's like, well, I'll start a fire. So he leans an axe up against the door and starts making the fire. And he's got his back turned to the door. He didn't have a gun. I mean, he didn't have a gun with him. What? Yeah. So he was back there and starting the fire. And then all of a sudden he hears the axe tip over. And he sees three little heads peeking inside the door.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And then all of a sudden they vanished. They weren't even like ducked their heads back in, but they like dissolved and they were gone. What? And it was like this crazy experience he had. Never saw him again. Just, they were there. They were, he said when they were skiing towards him, Cole was telling me, he's like, they were not, uh, they weren't human because they could like rip their arms off and throw them up in the air and they were like giggling. And I'm like, total freaky, you know, they're like, nothing about them made you think they were human. And they were just skiing right behind him, And they were throwing their arms up, juggling them type stuff. And... He was like, I'm fucking crazy. I'm tripping. I ate the wrong mushrooms or something, you know? Oh, and, what? Yeah. And uh, he did some research on it, and he was like, this is a well-known thing about the Native American tribes that lived around those mountains was, like, they accepted the, you know, the little people of the mountains, and you don't go there, and you don't hang out there, and you just stay the hell away from there. And he ran into him and never saw him again. But, yeah, I was like... I don't, I, oh, I don't know what that is, because the the guy was like oh. super straight, narrow guy, you know, worked for the government, was never right. on any drugs or anything, and wasn't hallucinating. I mean, maybe he was, but the fact that, I mean, he, they knocked over a physical item in the cabin, of you know, the axe off the door, and uh. knocked that over. I was like, it wasn't. I mean, he picked up the axe, he put it down, he picked it up after they knocked it down. It was like, that's pretty freaking crazy. Um, Cole had a couple other good stories. He was talking about this one gal staying at a haunted house. You know, not commercial haunted house. I don't even remember where it was, but it was a house that had all sort of activity in it. And he said the door would always fling open in the middle of the night, cold air rushing in. You know, super creepy or whatever. He's like, well, you know, you can't really explain the doorknob turning and then kicking open. It's like if it opens slowly, it's like all right, God didn't latch it or whatever but he was saying that it would fling open and you know every Did you night. say with a locked door too or without a lock well door? it's like it's latched like it's not locked but it's okay. latched but if it's not latched you now you can understand it like opening cuz of breeze or yeah. whatever but it would fling open every morning or every night i guess and he was saying that this gal she was like i want to try something so she shoved her bed up against the door she said, in the middle of the night, the bed went flying across the room. The whole thing slammed into the other side of the room, and the door was just wide open. Was she on the bed? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She woke up to this. and I was like, what in the hell is this? Like, wh- how do you explain that? I mean, it was like his aunt or his cousin or something. Did Tori ever tell you the story about his cousins? Well, he was there. Did I ever tell you the story? Not this night? house, is it? No. It, so, it, it was a cabin. They were staying in with a family reunion. And they were staying in the loft of this, you know, Airbnb type thing And the parents were in the main house or whatever And they were saying, you know, oh, this place is, you know, really old And it's um, you just, it's just really old And, like, they didn't mention anything about ghosts or anything But he said he had one of his cousins woke up in the middle of the night And he was like, Elizabeth's in my body Elizabeth's in my body And she, she wants us to leave She wants us to leave She doesn't like us here And everyone's like, oh, she's just the drama queen of the family You know, she's super sensitive to everything And they're just like, oh Like, like Tori saw this, our other roommate And they're just like, oh, just go back to bed Like, stop it, stop playing And the next morning All of Tori's glasses were gone He had a pair of glasses And they're just like, oh, she took them Like, stop it And she's like, no, no, Elizabeth took them She's got the same prescription as Tori And she likes them And they were gone, just straight gone Nobody could find them Nothing The next night rolls around She's there And she does the same thing She's like Elizabeth's in my body She wants us to leave We gotta go And they're just like stop it Stop doing this Like you're freaking out You're freaking everybody else out Stop it And they're probably all like 12 You know Middle school type kids And then The next morning All of Tori's cousin's shirts are gone And they're like What the heck Elizabeth Stop stealing our stuff She's like "No." Elizabeth just likes the way that Bjorn, your cousin, smells. He just, she just likes the way he smells, and she's gonna take those clothes. And they're just like, what the heck? And they're like, kind of freaking out at this point. So they go to the third day, and this girl, their cousin, that's having all these experiences, sleeps with her parents in between them. And there's nothing in there. And they have this other thing. The next, like nobody, like everybody sleeps through the night or whatever. But the next day, there's something else missing, and it was like somebody's watch or something, you know. Something in middle school and they're like, "All right, so somebody took this and it wasn't her. She slept there the whole night. She didn't get up. The parents were like, "Nope, she didn't leave." So there was something else missing and they were Tory and like his cousins were telling the story that night at dinner. And right when they started talking about it, all the fire alarms went off. It's like, "What? Like why there's no smoke, nothing, nothing crazy." And they never found any of the stuff Nothing happened um, But her Tori's mom had a dream That there was a little girl Who died in a attic fire In that cabin And That's when the fire alarms went off actually it was I'm messing up the story timeline But Tori would be better about telling it But right when she starts telling that story At the dinner table How she had this dream All the fire alarms went off and nothing, nothing was apparent that it would, it would have set it off. But the next day, when they were leaving, the guy that owned the place was just like, "So, did you guys have any like experiences with anything like ghost wise?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." And they told him the whole story, or they didn't tell him the whole story yet. They're just like, "Yes, we had weird experiences with somebody taking our stuff and fire alarms going off, whatever." And they hadn't told him the story yet, like. But he was saying, he's like, "Yes, there was." A little girl, back in the day, there was a house fire in the attic, and she burned to death. And her name was Elizabeth. And they didn't mention any of the names or any of the story or the dream or anything to them before. But they were just like, "Holy shit! Like, how how does all of that line up? The fact that she died up there and a fire and the fire alarms go off and she was just chilling in there, just robbing people." So I was like, "I don't know how you." dispute that like if there's you know if everyone's in on it except for Tori or something and the guy that owns the place does it so that more people go there but he wasn't like advertising for a haunted house it was just like an Airbnb of an old cabin so I don't know there's just so many first hand experiences of people I've talked to that have crazy stories like that that are hard to explain that you can not deny that there's something else going on that we don't know about <laughs> you're gonna have to have where you're gonna have to have Tori on the podcast that's weird because we will all four
1: to... sit down and then yeah. we'll start we're i might have to just change the whole scheme of this podcast and go yeah. straight into just beings yeah
0: yeah we can talk about it on every one of them but it's just it's really hard to deny when you have a lot of experiences so if you talk to um uh, people that grew up on the reservation there is a lot of Super duper spiritual stuff That happens there Like there, Like you don't whistle at night Like like why don't what? you whi- Like you don't whistle at night Like why that, not
1: That just gives me chills
0: Yeah that's like They say the Spirits show up If you whistle at night And people will put like A blanket on the backseat Of their car Driving through the res Because if you look back While you're driving through the res Sometimes you'll see like A person in the backseat Okay
1: so I'm never taking I-90 Whatever it is Through yeah, Lodge n- n- 90
0: 94 Whatever it is And it's like You go down there And you see
1: I think it's 990 That's besides the point
0: Yep But it's like It's hard to deny
1: I will tear my mirror Off the front window Yep I'll just see a little girl sitting
0: (laughs) there. It's like No If you want to talk to somebody About it Brett McRae is He told me quite a few stories And he's I mean nobody wants To talk about him either It's not like they're Trying to get famous Or anything He's like If you grew up On the reservation You see some shit Like there's so many Unsettled spirits so I'm gonna around add that area. Him
1: to the yeah. guest
0: list. Yeah, Brad would be good because he's had he's the voice on the Northern Egg Network every morning, so he's got some good egg connections, and he's got some good ghost stories too. But literally, everyone has a ghost story, so I don't know how you dispute it. There's lots of things. Okay, you not explain. everyone because
1: I don't, not the one I recall. Like I said, I have weird dreams, and it's not about like random stuff. So, yeah. ever since Luke died. The, I used to go out there a lot when he was sick, mm-hmm. and I'd help Charlie out because Luke couldn't do anything. Do you know Luke?
0: I've told her about Luke. Okay, bit, but, sure. So
1: you know kind of the backstory. Anyways, you would go out there and help him, and then there was that one moment that it was probably a week before he died. We were It was me and Zach and uh, Dallas, I think, or something. And we just all went out there, and he was actually feeling good that day, so he actually came down and talked with us. And right when we were leaving, he was like, hey, Oscar And I, I just said, nice to see you, Luke. And when I looked back, I could see in his eyes he wanted to say something. Mm. So I don't, I don't know if that, like, it does something to my subconscious or whatever it is. Yeah. But ever since then, like, after he died, there's it's like at least once a month I have a dream about him, about Hannah, and about the family. Yep. It's the same dream. What is it? Just it goes through the whole life. It's all in their place. I'm a part of their family. Mm. But it makes no sense to me. Yeah. I don't know why I'd have the same dream for four years on end. Yeah. Or five years or when When was it, 2017?
0: Yeah, right around there.
1: But that that's kind of the only weird thing that's happened to me. Mm-hmm. That I can't explain. Okay, so we're gonna have a whole podcast series on decoding dreams, so yeah. including Maddie, Maddie's gonna decipher, probably
0: dream or er, uh, Austin's dreams. But,
1: but that's man. really the only thing I've had that's been really consistent and really weird.
0: Yeah, the first time I ever had somebody tell me a like a alien or ghost story was my, actually my dad. We were shipping calves out in the middle of Your nowhere. Dad said this. Yeah, it was out in the middle of nowhere. All right, it was probably. 30 miles northwest of Alzada, Montana, which right. if you've ever been hold over the, there, there's Hold that like thought
1: for there. a second. Would your dad do a podcast?
0: Yeah. No, I think he would. I don't think he want to talk about aliens or anything, but maybe. Okay, well, just. But like ranching stuff, yeah. No, he would Okay. okay over okay. the phone, probably. I don't know if he'd come here, but. Well, I'd go there. Oh, then yeah. No, I'd. I so that, that'd
1: that be, be my thing with these podcasts. I'd like to go to these people's okay. places and just do it there.
0: It'd be easier. Yeah. All right. Carry on. But uh, the first time I ever heard like a ghost or a. Alien story was we were out shipping calves. I was like 30 miles northwest of Alzada, which is probably 50 miles southwest of Icalaca. And probably, I mean, we were probably 30 miles west of Broadus. It the middle of nowhere.
1: So, yeah, 30 but miles from nothing.
0: Yeah, we were just, there was no house there or anything. So, we just brought mattresses and we slept on the ground. And I fell asleep. Middle a field? Yeah, it was like down on a creek, like next to the krells kind of. It was kind of no, dope, actually. Yeah, no, it was cool. I was probably, I don't know. Probably thirteen, something like that. Huh. We were just sleeping out underneath the stars, and it. um My dad was telling me the next morning, he's like, "Did you see that last night?" And I was like, "What are you <laughs> talking about?" And he's like, "I don't know what it was. If it was a satellite, or if it was a new spaceship, or or like you know fighter jet, or whatever. But he said there was something way out there, like up against the stars, that was light, and it was bouncing around, and it wasn't a firefly, and it wasn't anything like that, but it was." Jumping around, like, thousands of miles at a time. And even if it was, you know, a thousand miles. When was this? It was probably, like, 2010, maybe. But uh, he was watching it. He watched it for probably, like, you know, five minutes or so. But it was zipping around everywhere. And he, he thought it was amongst the stars, but maybe it was, you know, just in the outer atmosphere. But it was moving in a way that wasn't human because it was oh weird it would jump you know three feet across the sky and then it would stop in a second and then it would jump two feet forward and then zigzag and it was just like bouncing around and i bet you can't see that very many places no and it was middle of nowhere so there was all sorts of stars clear night but i don't know like what it was but that was definitely the first time i ever heard a an alien slash spirit story. Do you
1: have specific UFO
0: experiences or not? I've never seen anything that's uh, other than the Sleep Paralysis deal, where well, I guess I saw yeah, an UFO alien or, something, or alien you know. or yeah. No, I've never seen anything like spaceship or alien wise other than that. But I'd like to. Like, um, I I definitely don't think they're here to hurt us because if they if they were, we'd be dead. Yeah, if they were, we'd be gone. So I definitely think they're helping because, I mean, I I think they're. I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I definitely think they are in contact with a certain group of people at the top, and they've made an agreement that... I mean, who's at the top, though? Is it us? I don't think it's even... I don't even think it's... I think it's somebody in the U.S. government. The Illuminati? I think it's somebody that's above... An organization that's above the president, because they they don't even talk about it. And it's like, if you... So the presidents have always said, like, oh, we're going to divulge the alien secrets or whatever when I become president. And then somebody sits them down. Yeah, them probably first day, and there's like,
1: no, yeah, we're not like, doing this.
0: These are the reasons that you can't, and this is what will happen if you do. And then all of them are just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> it's like whatever deal was made, included, you're not going to tell everybody yet. Because someone's got to know. There's somebody knows 8 billion you. people in the world. Yeah. And it's even more terrifying if there's not those people, if there's just all these unexplained aerial phenomenons that don't make any sense. If no one actually and, knows, and yeah, it's no. not another country. Uh, it's uh, like the government admi- admitted that it's not us, and whoever, like maybe okay, they might be lying. They yeah, the government. I mean, they they can only tell the truth. You know, they can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was China and I heard that it's not Americans. It's like, all right, well, then we don't have to worry about it. But maybe it is the Americans, you know, maybe it's supersonic drones or something. But there's too many experiences that don't make sense. So I definitely think there's somebody out there that knows, and I, I really hope somebody knows because uh, I hope so too. It's it's I hope out. in
1: our lifetime we can actually find something. Out. Yeah,
0: it's worked out in a deal some way, but it'd be pretty terrifying if no one knows and they're just out there and nobody has an explanation for it because then they're just, then flying they're just around totally just a variable and
1: yeah we are at their whim
0: yeah so I definitely think that they could uh, they have helped us in ways um, I remember watching this ancient aliens show when I was a little kid and it was it was just laughed at you know the aliens helped build the pyramids or whatever there was a lot of bullshit in it obviously but there was a lot of truth where maybe we've been visited before by somebody a lot smarter than us and just dipped out for the last 8,000 years or whatever. And it's like, whatever they did, who knows? But if we have all these same stories about people coming from the stars and. It's weird. Helping, Every culture has yep. the same depictions. Yep. Coming from the stars and leaving and helping, you know, advance writing or language or whatever it is or tools. It's like. It's very strange that a lot of cultures have the exact same thing. Yep. People showed up from outer space and helped and left. And it's like I feel like the pe- the people from out of space they understand that society can't handle it. It's like if if a government came out and be like, "Hey, we've been lying to you for the last 200 <laughs> years that we knew there was aliens and I mean, what we, would happen- We still want you to trust us." What would happen if aliens just came down? And just...
1: Like, before they thought we could handle it. Of, if if they're... Math, peace, n- nobody would believe anybody.
0: I think they're in full com- communication with the with the society. Well, right. I'm way.
1: just saying, like, if just out of nowhere, they legit just... Just showed up like over it's New the York Griswolds City and, showing up on yeah, vacation yeah. type
0: thing. It's like...
3: Um, well, Hollywood has made us think that aliens are bad and the world is going to end when aliens come, like the War of the Worlds movie so people i think if people have been kind of been shown things that maybe aren't real so when they see aliens are gonna freak out and it's gonna be bad bad reaction so they have to be like the aliens know we have to be eased into like their introduction or else society's gonna freak the fuck out (laughs) yeah
0: we definitely need to be desensitized to it i think that's why the cia
1: Released only like half the documents they have. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, if they like the only reason they wouldn't is because they're hiding something. It's like they're the hiding G- something, it's like the JFK thing. It's like they're hiding something every, there, too. Everyone is they release documents, but not all of them. Yep, everyone is dead that was involved. Yep. So, what lasts longer than a, a person's life? It's an organization, which is the CIA, so they're hi- they're protecting themselves. So, but um,
1: I've only had one experience with you of hosts. Really? I was sitting off the man cave door, right, yeah. off on that little deck. Just It was kind of like sunset, and the sun went down, but you could still see light. And this side of the sky, obviously, the east side was dark. There was a little bit of yellow strip on the west side, but mm. I was just looking off into the distance, and I seen a weird bright light. I thought it was a star or something, and then it just shot halfway across the sky and disappeared. Mm. In a second.
0: It wasn't like a comet or a falling It star shut up. It went up, though.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, usually, shooting stars or comets, they'll come yep. down into the atmosphere, so they're yep. coming down off the horizons. Yeah. This one came from the horizon and went
0: halfway up. Yeah.
1: I was like, please come down and abduct me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a... Uh, Rescue mission. Right. Yeah, I definitely... Uh, I thought I was in that camp where it was like, please abduct me. But after... The sleep paralysis thing Like being abducted Of some kind Well I don't know If that's an abduction But I know but like It It was in the same Situation I guess Where it's like I don't understand What's going on And I can't move So It's scary Please don't do it again It's very scary So if I was in a spaceship And the same exact thing happened I'd just be like What the fuck And whether it was a dream Or I was in another Plane of existence Of some kind But I was like I don't know I think uh Uh, you don't react to it the way you think you would i wasn't like oh yes please please tell me everything you know and if if i could redo it i'd just be like well of course it'd probably
1: be weird to wake up in the middle of sleep and it's like you can't move you can't talk you can't do anything Mm -hmm. you can just move your eyes and see a weird being holding you down and looking into your soul it's like what yeah
0: yeah so it's i try the best you can but um try to remain calm i'd say if you ever get abducted but because uh, if, if they wanted to kill you they would no, obviously they could for if sure it, it's especially
1: if they're interdimensional beings they'll just like yeah put you in the, like the dimension between dimensions and then you're just stuck there forever yeah.
0: one of the biggest false things that we've ever been told is like oh aliens will probably be something like us you know they'll show up in a spaceship and they'll walk around and they will be humanoid or whatever. And it's like, okay, like if the universe is 13 billion years old, it's like, what are the odds that a civilization is within even a million years of us? It's like, if the dinosaurs would have got it right and we were 65 million years ahead, it's like, why would we even think or act or apply the same laws of physics as what we currently think? So if the aliens are within a decade of us, that's, like astounding and there probably is some that are if there's you know a million planets that have advanced life on them there's probably one that's really close to us but the ones that are visiting us from far away they don't even you can't even grasp the the way that they travel or the way they feel or like look you know or act or anything it's like they're probably just downloaded consciousness into a computer of some kind and all the aliens you see are drones you know they're not. Maybe pro- I, I don't understand why you, in a million years you'd want to have a biological body. I don't think that just causes problems. Yeah, it's like you have all these variables in a body that maybe are essential to being a life. But the way humans are going, if you if we don't fuck things up for in a thousand years, we're all going to be virtually downloaded into computer. We're going to be the aliens. Yeah. So the fact that aliens would be a thousand years. Uh, Ahead of us is pretty unlikely. They're more likely, probably millions of years. Right. So. Pretty what chippy. a conversation. Maddie's just ready to roll. She wants her own podcast talking about aliens.
1: I will download so. the software tonight.
0: All right. <laughs> and then we'll get Tori. Wait, is he supposed to be back tomorrow? No, I think he's be back Monday. Nah. I think it's like MLK Day or something on Monday. <laughs> he gets off. What are you doing for MLK Day?
1: I didn't even... I forgot it was holiday. Mm. We don't get it off, so it's like... Dang. It's not that big in electricians' lives, so... Yeah. Mm. Gotta hit budgets. Yep. Hit quotas, whatever it's called. Well... Well...
0: I think we... I think up we, about three hours or so.
1: We talked enough, I think.
0: If anybody needs more content, just give Austin Brown a call. I'm sure you'd like to... Like to chit chat about you,
1: only if you're interesting though. So yeah, yeah. We hit two hours fifty eight minutes.
0: Wow. Well, thanks for having me on. This was good to good to do. We'll have it maybe once a month or something.
1: One to many more.
0: Yeah, we'll be so. surpassing Joe Rogan before we know it.
1: All right, let's not go that
0: far. We had to come up with a good name for your podcast.
1: Well, I still got the hard freeze on it, but I
0: oh yeah yeah, the hard freeze. What's I, something with Braun?
1: I don't know. I thought because I got this brand here, mm-hmm. and it says "a diamond in the rough." I kind of thought something like that, but it's kind of long,
0: and there was no Instagram handles that I could use for that. So, but it's called the hard freeze on Instagram. Mm-hmm. All right, we're rolling with that then. I was I thinking as about well. something about brains and brown or something like that, like something with a play on your last name, like brawn, like brawny, right. like the paper towels, like yeah. it's manly.
1: I don't know. I but. got the hard freeze crate on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. All right. It's a hard
0: freeze. Episode one.
1: I don't know when I'll release it, but I'm going to release three to five probably when I release them all. Yeah. Plus an intro. Yeah, My life you. story will come out one of these episodes. Yeah. But.
0: Thanks for listening to us rant about aliens and ranching stuff. So if you have any uh, good ghost stories or alien stories, like hit me up. I'm, uh, or me always a sucker Yeah a Sucker for a good story Like I said I
1: will go on a whole little 37 episodes of just
0: Yeah That's the problem with it too Is like We want to believe so hard That it's like every story That might have a hole in it But like nah It's a good story you know And like well, They are good stories All the ones that we had I We didn't have a hole in them Or anything But right. it's uh, I don't know I want to believe So hard That I make it happen It's kind of like Bigfoot What do you think about Bigfoot? That's a hard one, I don't know i always watched that Finding Bigfoot show as a little kid <laughs> And I thought it was so fucking real But I think they were just duping me, man <laughs> I think uh, They were just trying to make money Oh yeah, like they're in Kansas And they're like, I saw a Bigfoot last week It's like, alright like if there's, there's really a Bigfoot
1: here. All of us snowmobilers would have found them
0: by I now. don't know Like if, if it's in the Pacific Northwest, it's almost like a tropical So there's no Bigfoots term. out here? Maybe in the trees, yeah, but I don't... That's what... I I just don't think that there's... We're in the trees. I don't think there's a lot of Bigfoot. I think there's probably less than a 100 of them and they live in small tribes. Are you a Bigfoot believer? Yeah, I think it's fun to live, believe in Bigfoot. (laughs) I don't think... I I don't want to live in a life where it's like, oh, Bigfoot's irrational and there's never been evidence. And it's like, why? Well, Well, I'm not
1: saying that. I don't think... if you listen to Rogan's episode, or a lot of them, he brings up there's a nine-foot giant tall ape that used to roam the... Pacific Northwest.
0: Yeah, if you if you interviewed probably 10 people from the Pacific Northwest, they probably 5 of them would have a Bigfoot story where they saw something. Okay, so
1: I'm going to make that a goal. Yeah. No, 10 I, people, Pacific Northwest, 5 out of 10 Bigfoot believers. They
0: would know, yeah, probably. Like like <laughs> they're just, people don't understand how much wilderness there actually is in the world. Like you live, grow up in a, a plain situation or in town. Uh, it's like they're so that's, many places you could hide up there.
1: Even snowboarding sure. today, you because like, we get on top of the mountains, yeah. and you look, and there
0: is absolutely nothing. There's nothing. And if you're a smart primate, that's—I I honestly think Bigfoot's an alien. Like, that's a whole other podcast, but <laughs> the fact that it can just dip right away is pretty impressive, and, like, nobody knows about it kind of thing is another world of conspiracies, but—
1: Yeah, so Maddie just brought up Finding Bigfoot.
3: So,
0: uh, Which one? The the movie? Like the documentary one? Yeah, it's a documentary. Are you stuff. talking about the one where they found him in the cave cage and then it broke out?
3: Mm, I'm not sure, but there's a TV show that came out a few years ago, and it was made in my hometown, and they were interviewing people like at my hometown bar. Oh, really? Yeah, and they were... They would Whoa. black out their faces and make their voice sound weird so per- their their yeah. identity was protected but yeah like i grew up in bigfoot country and mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of bigfoot statues and stories and people who yeah
1: i remember uh, so maddie's also a bigfoot believer
0: the discovery channel when i was a little kid had a um, a show called the mermaid found or something like that and it was these you know Dramatized encounters with mermaids whatever and I got really into mermaids for about 45 seconds. So I googled it And the whole thing was staged the whole thing was fake and they came out with a Bigfoot Story where these guys trap a Bigfoot and it is they get videos of it and then it escapes out of the cage And I googled that and it was fake And I was like that turned me off on the big bigfoot thing for a while because they said in the page that they were talking about It's like This is what would happen If they found a Bigfoot And it was like A reenactment of What would happen If they found it, it Like never happened and Right They just There's a lot of B.S. out there Probably for Every You know Real one There's probably Ten fake ones Where it's just A blurry photo Or whatever it is So It's tough But there's definitely Some compelling evidence
1: See This is why I want To start A conspiracy theory Off brand episode uh, episodes uh, yeah, no, the, uh, 400 uh, of them, probably. The
0: conspiracies are... there's The problem with conspiracies is a lot of them turn out to be true in, in time. It is weird. It's like, oh, the government... There's a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah, the government stole a bunch of Nazis after World War II to come run the that space program. And it's like, well, you're freaking crazy. They built Talk the about space that. program. I was like, you look at them and they're freaking all Nazis. <laughs> there was ones that were talking about how Nazis used to... Uh, fight with swords when they're going through academy or whatever and they have these big scars and like 10 of the dudes at freaking nasa when they're launching spaceships have these giant scars like they're ex-nazis and then it's slowly been proven true because it's like all right if we don't take them to advance our science the russians are going to take them and right. we don't want that so yeah
1: so we, we literally probably split half and half russia took half and probably, we took yeah. half and
0: it's like where do you want to live you want to live in siberia or do you want to live in <laughs> Freaking Florida I was like I'll, right. take, I'll take Florida <laughs> But Anyway the, That's the That's the thing about conspiracies Too many of them Turn out to be right But A lot of them are right too I wouldn't say most But A lot of them Turn you know, out to
1: but, be right know but I mean You think about how many Conspiracy theories there are Yeah And if you take 20% of them Yeah Which might even be A far fetch It's probably more like 10% or yeah. whatever But Still yeah. There's a million conspiracy conspiracy theories.
0: Ten percent of that is hundred thousand. Yeah. So who knows? But is it worth worrying about? Is the main. It's thing. fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to think about. Not. Alien not, thing not worth acting upon is the alien thing.
1: thing might be worth it. Everything else probably not.
0: If you could get a direct contact with an right. alien, that, yeah, that would be worth it. But yeah. just knowing that the government's hiding shit, I don't even think it's worth. You know Dedicating your life to, but No They're gonna hide shit regardless So it's like I don't wanna I don't wanna go through that For sure so Yeah
1: Okay so Maddie Just bringing up more people That can just talk about aliens So Yeah Maddie's
0: aunt's Had a couple really Distinctive ones She's seen them Maddie might be on 400 episodes Are you talking about The one where she saw The little gray people Outside her car Yeah Yeah, Like dead sober Uh, What Freaky her aunt is super spiritual and, like, very in touch with things that you can't see. And it's, yeah, she's got lots of stories. We might actually surpass Rogan. Yeah, so. maybe. <laughs> we just talk about alien stories, you know. But, all right, well, we're going to go to the bar. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> we're all dressed up, ready to rock and roll. We've been drinking for three hours. And, yeah, thanks for having me, Austin.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I'll go to the bar. It's 1030. I got a lot of homework to do. Unless I get a ride somewhere, but are in school? Well, apprenticeship. Oh yeah. Yeah. I need to get that done so I can get some pay raises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or everybody can donate to the podcast and then I don't have to work. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Alright, clean that everybody. Goodbye.
0: Alright, bye guys.